Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 129, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you the latest news from the ACHA and AAU College Hockey. Right now, I'm joined by Aiden Collins. We've got a unique episode on hand for you this week, but before we get into the breakdown of all that, let's throw it over to Collins. Collins, how are we doing this weekend? I know you guys are prepping for uh, the last weekend of the season. It's a bit wild to think that the end is here. By the end of this weekend, I will be part of the washed up college hockey players club it's bittersweet my body is like you know that end of season just get this over with type of pain and soreness it's really really bittersweet and kind of excited to uh just focus on playing some men's league and just focusing on uh, my career and getting a job really pumped up though for this friday against lehigh it should be uh should be a good one we uh we haven't had you on since senior night i mean walk us through that like what were the emotions like going into that one i know you were texting with us throughout the day but anything fun pop up during that kind of like running through the emotions of like holy shit this is the last time i'm ever gonna play uh a hockey game i don't know it was just a lot of weird feelings i guess came back and celebrated like a motherfucker so it is crazy to think that we started doing this before you played in the acha right like you were doing the lacrosse house pod your freshman year to have you wrapping it up this weekend is just a, a crazy not a crazy timeline of events because we we saw this one coming for a while now but it, i don't know it's starting to make me feel old now we're officially at the point where we have no guys in the league anymore on the podcast exactly the guys are hanging on for a thread right now it was a it was a good weekend for me went down to richmond virginia for the weekend actually and went to my cousin was getting married he lives in richmond and they did a wedding about an hour outside of richmond in a town called farmville virginia it's where longwood university is i think it's also about 10 minutes from hamden sydney which is a d3 lacrosse powerhouse we were about 40 minutes from lynch was thinking about maybe sneaking out and going to catch the action between Liberty and Niagara this past weekend, but it was really good down there. Get to see some family. I, most of my family's from New England, and so you know they're kind of on the outskirts and be able to go down there and, and see a bunch of them, catch up with grandparents, aunts, uncles was, was really good. And then no men's league this week. We had a big win last week that I referenced multiple times when we when we cut to our, our next segment here. So we all went bowling, and I just absolutely sandbagged everybody. I was so horrendous in the first two rounds a couple of guys were like hey we should just do one more like five dollars in winner gets the pot and i smoked everybody everyone was giving me such a hard time because i was so bad the whole night and then uh walked away with 30 bucks cash which is pretty fun i don't know collins do they have candlestick bowling in maryland we have duck pin bowling it's the we use it's the same size balls as like candlestick the pins are like I don't know, probably half the size of a regular bowling pin. So they're a lot harder to knock down. And basically the, the objective is just throw the ball as hard as possible. My first round, I shot a 69. And then nice. second round, yeah. Second round, I think I was a 64. And then the third round, I was a 98. So had a couple spares early on that really helped me out. I went big ball bowling this weekend down at the wedding. We did that the night before. And so maybe I just needed a couple rounds to get adjusted, but I was feeling it. It was a fun night and it was good to get all the guys together. We're getting ready for a big playoff push for in the Hammerina Men's League. So we got to get all the guys dialed in at this point. But technical difficulties last week, we had a great episode. We did, we did the Herman cast. We had David Herman and his brother Alex Herman on... And Alex is a M2 goalie at Adrian College. He also does the play-by-play for their M1 team. 
and their NCAA Division three team. So he's an expert on college hockey, and he had plenty to offer. He did a bunch of research about these ACHA M2 regionals that are going on this weekend. We talked a little bit about the closing gap between AAU and ACHA, and we also talked about GCU's hot streak to end of the season. So there's a couple notable talking points that we want to include from last week's episode. What we're going to do is we're going to kick it to our recording from last week, get you guys all caught up to speed on ACHA and AAU college hockey news from the week before. Then we're going to cut to our interview with Cam Shabbat from the University of Kentucky. And then when we come back after the interview, Collins and I will hit the highlights from the most recent week of action. We'll shout out some conference champions. We will go over the pools for the AAU college hockey nationals. Late last night, we got a look at the ACHA M3 national tournament pool. So we will hit all of those. We've got a couple notable games. We'll do our question of the week and then we will wrap it up for this week's episode so we will turn it over we'll go back in time and we're going to cut to me herm and alex right now joining us as always is our executive producer david herman herm we have a, a very special guest joining us for this edition of the pod yeah i'm happy to be here super excited to get this going and what what can i say i don't know how i can answer that more in a hockey interview way but that's what i got just pucks in deep that's all that matters and and you know you got to make big saves down the stretch i noticed that your instagram handle is herman on the mic and i, I don't see a, a microphone in front of you which is a little odd i got the call today as the uh, e-bug for today's podcast david said do you want to be on the pod and i said absolutely and he said do you have a microphone and i said no my snowball is back in new york and he said well why can't you just get one from the production house and i said okay yeah i'll I'll give it a shot we probably have something i actually wound up going to the head of the comms department who's one of my professors and asking him as well as another one of my professors who both have a surplus of video and audio equipment, and nobody had anything other than a lavalier mic that, for whatever reason, when I plug into my computer, shows up as headphones. So, unfortunately, Herm on the mic is micless. We got the Beats microphone going. Well, everyone knows that the best broadcasters in Adrian history find their way to Syracuse eventually. So I'm I'm sure someday you'll get it all down. We'll see what happens. Shout out to Matt Kibbe, who's currently out in Syracuse, New York. So I want to give Kibbe a shout out too because I stumbled upon the there's an Instagram page called D3 Hockey News and then there's also one called D3 Hockey and I was you know scrolling through and ended up on the Adrian D3 account and I I was giving it a look and maybe comparing it to how the the ACHA M1 account is run making some observations but that one of the pinned videos was of of Kibby doing the call in the national championship game a couple years ago and I didn't even recognize his voice because I'm so used to just you know having a normal conversation with him I've never really heard his announcer voice all all too much so it was good but it's funny we give Kibby a shout out a couple minutes into this episode and, and I was watching his highlights the other day but Alex it's great to have you on big night in ACHA M2 so I figured who better to join us than a guy playing in M2 himself some ACHA M1 news as well plenty of big storylines and some teams that you're familiar with calling their games as well they've made the trip out to Adrian this year so I guess Herm we haven't even asked about your week yet that's usually where we start how are things in Utica this was a big rest and recover week I think for both of us honestly had a, a quiet week, like an, an extended weekend, starting with Friday, took it very, very easy, had a little bit of improv that I guess I did on social because Belleville's AHL TV stream was down. So I'm sitting in my bed 
working the game from four hours away and I'm like, I have no video for this game. So I went on to script and <laughs> through a combination of that and audio hijack was able to make like a little interactive thing. I was like, okay, the radio broadcast is still working. We turned that into some content. We pivot, we adjust, adapt, overcome, whatever you need to do. Took it very, very easy after that. Feel significantly more refreshed and invigorated as we're heading into a, a very busy stretch for both UCFC and the Comets. Yeah, can we talk about for a second the uh, Utica Comets fans who went on MS Paint to draw up live feeds of what was going on during the Comets and Senators game because that was absolutely incredible. I honestly want to hire some of them when we're doing the double duty between AAU Nationals in Westchester and ACHA Nationals in St. Louis. Like we, We're going to need all hands on deck and we're probably not going to be able to clip every highlight from Black Dog or Flow Hockey, so we might need some of those Comets fans to draw some, some ACHA AAU action for us down the road. Herm, you mentioned too, the rest and recovery. It was a very busy work week for me outside of Hockey House Pod. I feel like I don't really talk about my work too much. Loving what I'm doing down in Boston for a media agency called House 17. And one of our bigger clients was very active around the Super Bowl. They were out in Vegas. So was doing a lot of social media content around that on the back end. I was fortunate enough to actually go down to Boston and go into the office on Friday, which was great. Always fun working from there and not from my childhood bedroom in New Hampshire. So it was a, a very busy Friday. And so, you know, took Saturday and Sunday to enjoy it, was able to go on and do a couple social media posts from the hockey house over the weekend, but really just took Sunday to enjoy the Super Bowl, right? The last couple of years, I remember some of my best Super Bowl memories were watching from a couch in Syracuse, New York with all the boys and on a projector and chefing up some nachos and whatever we can make in the air fryer. So it was a little different this time around. And so I went down to Boston and, and watched my girlfriend and it was really cool, you know, as an advertising major to love the Super Bowl because of all the ads we get to see. But also, I feel like it was a really good game, like Chiefs and 49ers, a lot of hate out there. People don't like the Chiefs. People don't like Taylor Swift. People don't like Brock Purdy. Like it was a good game. I enjoyed it. And it, it was fun to watch that from start to finish and then opening up the dms on monday morning was now i don't want to say a nightmare but it was just like like how lucky are we that we can open up the dms on a monday morning and there's 50 notifications and there's upsets all over the place and there's highlight real goals and it's like where do we even begin it really showed and herm you can you can tell me from the outside perspective but like the numbers on the posts on monday were incredible we are so fortunate to have some of the best fans in the country that view us as the go-to destination for all things non-NCAA hockey. We say it every episode at the end of the episode. Make sure you're tagging us. Make sure you're sending it to us. You guys do that in spades. It's like a sports center thing of like, you got to get it on the hockey house and beyond fortunate for that. Yeah. And I think we've done a really good job. You implemented the Qualtrics thing where people can submit from there. But I think we've also done a really good job this year of answering DMs too, because you get to, you get a little conversation and it's like, Hey, this, you get a player saying, Hey, this is a big upset. This is why this is a big upset. Look at this video we took. And it's like, we love this. Please just send it to us outside of Instagram DM so we can download it and get it up. It was just such an eventful weekend. So let's, let's start. Well, we'll get to what I would have led with the headline until today. This is something that we found out about over the weekend. Like we said, Monday was a very busy day of, of playing catch up around AAU, college hockey, and the ACHA. Once the dust settled, had this post queued up, a huge upset. I don't want to say an earth shattering, maybe a, a shakeup in the college hockey food chain is how I would describe it. We had an upset, Farmingdale AAU D2, so not even Farmingdale's top team, traveled to play Rutgers 
top team, their ACHA M1 team on senior night. And they spoiled the party. The Rams defeat the Scarlet Knights 5-2. to two. It was 2-2 two to two heading into the third period. Farmingdale scores three in the third and wins this one 5-2. to two. We've talked about it for, it's crazy to say that we've talked about this for a number of years on this podcast. That makes me feel old, but the AAU has been making strides and improving their game. This is their first year of having a division one level. And now you have a D2 AAU team beating a team at the bottom of ACHAM one. And I know you all listening at home know that there's a big discrepancy between the top teams in the ACHA division one level and the bottom teams in the ACHA division one level. But here we have a middle of the road team in AAU D2 defeating bottom feeder in ACHAM one. And Herm, there were people talking all over social media once we fired off in this post in the comment section, you know, is that gap closing between AAU and ACHA M1? I've got a lot of thoughts on it. It's reflective of a couple of things. One, I think it's reflective of how deep Farmingdale State is as a program and how a lot of these Northeast AAU slash ACHA schools try and view it as a true feeder program kind of along the approach of what Adrian is doing in trying in terms of like elevating talent up to the M1 level the guys that might be excelling on Farmingdale's AAU D2 team are right on the cusp of being an AAU D1 team speaks to that for sure speaks to and I'm going to really piss some people off in New Jersey when I say this the continued mediocrity of the Rutgers ACHA M1 program and the fact that they haven't been able to get it together and for the last, I don't know, five-ish years have remained a basement-dwelling program. I'll let you take a deep breath there too because I'll throw this over to Alex because I think he's seen it because Adrian plays in a conference where you have teams at the top of the ACHA and you have teams at the bottom of the ACHA and I'm sure, Alex, you know going into those games like, hey, we're going to see a lot of goals from Adrian, right? Because yes, the Great Lakes is a good conference. You got a lot of teams in the top 25, but you also have a lot of teams at that bottom. So I'm sure you've seen that. I mean, there's a pretty big discrepancy there. Adrian's ACHA D1 team, as we know, is continuously one of the best teams in the entire country. They're able to field a team that just is so loaded with talent that is able to take their pick of guys who are you know, dropping down from the NCAA level and then also freshmen who put up great numbers for whatever junior leagues they played at. Yeah, it, it's definitely tough sometimes when you get your lower teams in that division who come in like your Oaklands, your Easterns, and you just know the game is basically over before it's even started. My hope at least is that with the continued push to try and advance the league to a better place than it was a couple of years ago as a whole, that we start to see a more consistent number of teams who can compete with each other. So there will be more Adrians, there's going to be more Ohios, there's going to be more Liberties. And then that way it gets more to that middle ground where, all right, now the rankings are really, really close. Your top teams are still going to be your top teams. But in the bottom half of the top 25, you're still going to see some really, really solid squads. Herm, I'll throw it back over to you because I know you were kind of mid, you took a pause there for a deep breath, but I wanted to get Alex's opinion on that. I don't know if that, that changed what you were about to say. Oftentimes, we look at scores like this. I don't think we've directly spoken to any of the guys from Rutgers yet, right? I don't know if you did, if you reached out to them, right? Sometimes there's factors, especially at the end of the season like this, that go beyond just a final score. We don't know how many of those Rutgers guys were banged up. We didn't watch the game to see anything like that. We're reporting on a box score, objectively speculating on that. 
we don't know what variety of factors might have contributed to that loss at the end of the day. On social, it's so easy to like go with these grandiose narratives of like pure black and white, but there has to be some middle ground of gray in there with it, right? Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I was saying too. And and we we talked about this a lot in the group text today. Man, I don't I don't know if this tells us more about the AAU or if it tells us more about the ACHA, right? Like it's not black and white, like you mentioned. Like there's a lot of factors that go into this. But I also think it it shows the parody of college hockey, right? Like we talk about it all the time, how that Adrian D3 NCAA team could skate with the best of them. We saw those games and during COVID where they would play Bowling Green's NCAA Division One team, and that was a good matchup. And then there's a reason the bottom teams in NCAA D3 do not scrimmage the top teams in ACHA M1, right? We know what those scores would be, and they would be very close. Kind of the same reason. It's like, hey, maybe Rutgers shouldn't be scheduling that game because it's going to be closer than they think it is. I think it just shows how deep that Farmingdale program is. That, farming, that same Farmingdale team was D3 last year. They went to the national championship. They lost to St. John Fisher, and now now they're one of the top teams in D2. So there's there's like a whole lot of gray area. You could speculate. You can get the always sunny bulletin board out there and you can point to different things that are factoring into this. But we have a platform where we talk about ACHA and AU college hockey. So, of course, we're going to talk about this game, right? Because there's not that much crossover. And here is crossover that is telling us a lot at the same time, not really telling us anything, right? There's a lot of speculation here, like you mentioned. You know, I'd be kind of curious to see what would happen if these two teams played again. They only had that one game scheduled if we've seen anything not only in hockey but in sports in general there are nights where your team just has it my curiosity lies in what happens if these two teams play again if we see a similar or the same result well i'm a big follower of the the sickos committee on twitter i don't know if you guys yeah if you support them herm's nodding they do great stuff about college football and just sports in general right if you're a sicko if you root for the weird things to happen if you root for the rain delays the e-bugs the crazy stuff that happens they do a thing called like the circle of suck when you have a league and everybody in the league has beaten everybody talk about circle of suck is Farmingdale, I know I'm getting this right, but I might not get it in the right order. Farmingdale's D2 team beat Fordham, who is AAU Division One earlier this year. And then Fordham beat Farmingdale's AAU D2 team. So they played both Farmingdale teams and they beat the better team and lost to the D2 team. That is kind of what Alex is saying is like, hey, college hockey is so tight. Like you can't just show up and beat some of these teams, right? Because they're all 18 to 23-year-olds on a roster assembled. Just like my men's league team tonight, not to give them a shout-out, but we only had seven guys tonight, and we won 12 to 5 against a team that we lost to by three goals earlier in the year. They had six guys, and we had 11, and we lost by three goals. So, like, any given night, got to make it about myself, got to pump the tires of Merlino's Steakhouse, had a couple tucks tonight, not a big deal. But that's just hockey, right? And I think it's it's good for the game when you have that. And I think that is something, like Alex mentioned, we want to see more of that in the ACHA when where the teams at the bottom have a chance to beat those teams at the top. I think that's maybe as much as we're going to be able to analyze that. I think that's a pretty good breakdown of this game. Like Herm mentioned, at the end of the day, it's just a box score, right? But I think there are a lot of people at the ACHA office who maybe might have raised their eyebrows when they saw this box score. And there's certainly a lot of people at the AAU office who raised their eyebrows when they saw this box score as well. So switch focus to the team that I would have given the lead this week, but this team has been on a tear 
in the second semester. And not to say that they had a bad first semester, but they have had a very good second semester, and that is the Grand Canyon Antelopes. They went on a trip to Oklahoma this weekend, and they won all three games. They defeated the Sooners on Thursday night, who are a top 25 team, and then they swept the number three UCO Broncos. They got a overtime win on Friday night, and then they had an empty net goal to make it 4-2 on Saturday. And Herm and I were very attentively watching this one. That Bronco barn is loud, and it was as quiet as I have ever heard it on a live stream when GCU iced it with the empty netter. This is a team that is hot. They have won nine in a row. I believe they are 12-2 and two in their last 14. I think they have three losses on the semester. Two of them are to Minot State, right? Like So like, let's just cancel those ones out to start. They started the semester off at Minot State. They played four games in a row against ASU, and they, lost, they won three of four. So it's tough to beat a team four times in a row but ASU was ranked at 23 when they beat them they beat Utah I think Utah was ranked as high as 13 they swept Oregon beat ASU again they swept U of A at home and then they went and stole three from Oklahoma from the Oklahoma trip they beat Oklahoma and UCO but Herm we've been following the ACHA rankings for as long as we've known they've existed right like when you got to Ohio that was probably your first taste of ACHA rankings. We've never really seen a team that climbs the rankings like this in the second semester. We always joke that once the rankings come out, we very rarely see major shifts in the second semester. And GCU is putting that to the test because they have some very good wins in the second semester. I would suspect shoot them up in the rankings this week. I think it's without a question at this point that the WCHL is the strongest conference in ACHA M1, which is an even bigger testament to what they're doing. They don't have wins against Rutgers and TCNJ. I was going to say, this is not an ECHA schedule. He's not here to defend himself on this one. This is not a cupcake walk. They're going up against the best of the best the entire season, and for them to finish this strong should make some higher-ranked teams, if they squeak into nationals, really, really scared because they're on a heater right now. Right, and so I think they're in, right? They were 20. They were sitting at 21. We know 24 teams will make nationals. They're sitting at 21. They get a win over a ranked Oklahoma and they get a road sweep over UCO. And that overtime win will go in as a tie. They get three of four on the road against number three. You got to think that that gets them out of the top 20 because you Top 20 guarantees you a spot at nationals. My only concern right now is they're done for the year. The WCHL wraps up the regular season this weekend. We'll get to it in a little bit, but some very marquee matchups this weekend in the league, they're done. So they won't play again until March 7th which would be the first day of nationals in St. Louis. Like, man, we got to get these guys more games, right? Like they, they probably want to keep playing at this point. They, they'd play anybody next weekend. Can we just get them like a null team to scrimmage or something like that? Let's have them play the veil Yeti. Can they, can they play the veil Yeti for a weekend? Like let's get these guys a game because, and this is a team Herm who lost eight in a row in the first semester. Like how, how crazy is that, that we have a team that lost eight in a row in the first semester and now they've won nine in a row. We talked to Hunter Friesen from Arizona State. He was like, yeah, dude, they got some pickups in the second semester, right? Some guys that are helping them win hockey games. So a, a huge, huge strides for them. Like they started the year, they beat Northern Arizona seven to five and they beat Northern Arizona five to three. 
and that's a good D2 team. But I mean, maybe that team now, I mean, I would assume that'd be a five goal game looking back, but they lost 11 to nothing to UNLV. I'm sure that game would be a lot closer if those two teams played again. A heck of a turnaround by the Lopes in the second semester. We want to make sure that we gave them their flowers. But a couple other talk, I feel we've spent a lot of time talking about two topics so far. So we'll keep the train rolling. Wanted to mention America's team paying tribute to America's team. You got to give a shout out to David Herman because he coined UNLV America's team a couple years ago. I did that? Yeah, that was maybe it was a group effort. I don't remember that being specifically me. I thought that was like a Nick Flanders thing where he like said it and we kind of just like picked it up and said it on the podcast. I don't remember that being me. But like, go me if I did. Yeah, you definitely ran with it. And I I, I, I want to say that might be just because of your anti-liberty, because you're like, I'm a fan of two baseball teams, the Red Sox and whoever beats the Yankees, right? So like, you're a Bobcats fan and whoever beats Liberty. And I think UNLV was beating Liberty that year. So it was like, they're America's team, right? Gorgeous uniforms. I think if you saw these jerseys, you might you might be like, well, uh. I don't really get the hype around them. Like eh, they just kind of look like a hockey jersey. They got a lot of stripes. What's going on here? But they are a tribute to the 1990 Running Rebels, the iconic men's basketball team who went on a run to the 1990 National Championship game. They beat Duke in the finals that year. RJ, the, our our guy, he just knocked it out of the park with these photos. They were right on the court. They got the banner in the background. Like this was phenomenal. Really cool to see the uh, the official March Madness account is doing Instagram posts about it. So like they knocked it out of the park. And Herm, I want to throw it over to you because I'm sure you loved this work. He did such a spectacular job on the photo shoot and deserves all of his flowers for it. Well done stylistically from like the portraits to the wides. Insane. That's the photographer version of to the window, to the wall, by the way. We mentioned Ohio. We mentioned Liberty. Liberty goes into Athens and they get three of four, right? They get a regulation win on Friday night and then they get the overtime win on Saturday. It was 7-4-0 night, right, Herm? Am I getting those numbers in the right order yep a tribute to southeastern ohio they wore the camo jerseys liberty spoils the party it was the freshman ryan finch who got the overtime winner he rode the stick i i said in the caption he rode the stick all the way back to lynchburg with that one you could tell those are some valuable points for liberty again a team that maybe hasn't met expectations in the postseason the last couple of years. So they're looking to gain some momentum, some other notable wins in here. We had number 15 Grand Valley state upsetting Adrian Alex. I don't know if you got any chance to catch this game, but a three, one game on Thursday night at Adrian. And then it is a win for the Lakers on Friday night over Adrian. I had the pleasure of calling the first game in Adrian. That was on Adrian college TV. I actually got to have, have one of my teammates, Tyler Ackerman, do his first game at the color commentary position, which was very, very fun, and he did a fantastic job. The first game that they played, Adrian played well. I thought Grand Valley played well uh, additionally. I unfortunately did not catch the results of the second game until I was back on the bus uh, while they were playing. My team was playing over in Lansing, Michigan against Michigan State University at Mun Ice Arena. I was a little bit shocked even when I got back on the bus and saw that they lost. It kind of just goes back to the point that we made earlier uh, with the Rutgers game. Grand Valley every year is one of those sneaky teams that's pretty decent. Um, I think they've got a couple of really solid players in the 3-1 to one win that I saw their goalie played fantastic from what i heard it seemed like they just had it and sometimes you're able to find
find a way to win. And that's exactly what happened. You're lucky Grand Valley's net miner Hunter Nato is an ACHA legend because he was the Iowa State goalie in the six overtime game at Nationals. So he will forever have a place in my heart and I will never forget his name. Grand Valley State had a very good year last year, has had some hiccups this year. And again, I think that's a team who it's like a big win against Adrian late in the year. Like they might be able to build from that heading into Nationals as well. So we'll keep an eye on that. But Alex, we're going to throw it back over to you because David said that you got all the news in Acha M2 right now. And that is a hot commodity. We got teams booking trips to St. Louis as we speak right now. A lot of conference tournaments over the weekends, some games that mattered a lot because you got teams clinching auto bids to go to regionals. You got teams who are coming away with a lot of points and they're clinching spots to nationals because they get one of the top two seeds in the region. So we will turn things over to you. I will chime in and interrupt if I have any comments, but the floor is yours. Well, I appreciate that. I was given very little prep time to figure out a way to get this done. The M2 final rankings actually came out about three and a half hours ago. They were not posted on the ACHA website and rather individually tweeted a GIF of each logo and what rank uh, every team was because I'm not as good on a computer as my older brother David is. I threw it back to my roots and what I would know best and what my grandfather would suggest to me, which is to pick up a piece of paper and a pen and handwrite the entire thing, which I have so graciously done and took me about an hour to do of figuring out what rank everybody is, and I also got what everybody's rank was last week, so I can give you that, and who are the league champs this year in M2. If, if it makes you feel any better, Alex, I, again, I mentioned 12-5 win in men's league tonight, not a big deal, but I was busy a couple hours ago, and so now I'm looking at the ACHA website, and it is on the ACHA website, but it's not the easiest to understand, so we're going to take your information on that notepad and my information in front of me and we should be able to give the people what they want. Okay, we'll figure it out as we go. But uh, we'll start it off. The final central rankings for men's two. The first spot is going to go to Lindenwood, who was number one last week. St. Thomas jumped up to the number two spot. They were previously number three. Iowa got bumped out to the number three spot. They were number two. Concordia University of Wisconsin stays at number four. Minnesota Crookston stays at number five. Michigan State goes to six. They were number seven last week. Adrian goes to seven. They were number six last week. Sue is going to jump up two spots to number eight. They were 10th last week. Jamestown is also going to jump up two spots to nine. Last week, they were ranked number 11. Uh, The University of Wisconsin is going to get bumped down from number eight to number 10. Maryville is going to go to number 11. They were number nine. DePaul made their way up one spot at 12. They were 13th last week. Drury swapped with DePaul. They're now 13th. They were 12th last week. And in the last spot at number 14 is going to be the University of Minnesota, who was also 14th last week. That's a lot to break down. I mean, the the thing that stands out to me is St. Thomas getting it done when it matters most. They win their conference title. They clinched that two spot. They might as well hang a banner at their rink because they prevented the three-peat of you, Mary, last year at Nationals, right? So like that is a tough hockey team. Look at Iowa. They have to now play through regionals. They did the same thing last year, and they went all the way to the national championship game, which is so impressive when you think about it. Like winning 
regionals is very difficult and then to win regionals and then win your pool play and go to the national championship game. And it's tough for Iowa because they also won their conference tournament. They won the matcha tournament. They did it with a three nothing shutout victory over the host Maryville. You know, they got to be feeling pretty down, right? Like I feel like in their minds, they did all they could this weekend and, and they came up a little bit short. Another team that that stands out to me, and we talked about them a couple of weeks is Drury. They are making the jump to ACHA M1 next year and they're in the number 13 seed will take on number eight Sioux College and, and Sioux College has had a bounce back year as well so that'll be a really good matchup early on but that was a team we talked about a couple weeks ago hey I, I, I wouldn't want to play those guys if they get into regionals right like they seem to be getting hot at the right time so we will keep our eye on that one but Alex we'll turn it over to you for the next region we'll turn it over to the west division we'll start in the number one spot it's going to be Montana State who's going to stay in the number one spot from last week Weber State is at number two who remains number two. University of Providence jumps up to number three after being number four. They swapped with uh, Metropolitan State of Denver who was number three last week. Utah State is going to go up one to number five. They were six last week. Loyola Marymount is going to go to six. They were number five last week. Northern Arizona will stay at seven. Boise State jumps up three spots to the number eight. They were at 11th last week. Uh, at ninth, it's going to be Southern Methodist, who remains at the number nine spot. University of Denver stays at number 10. Dakota Botnu moved up from number 13 to number 11. The University of Texas will stay at number 12. This one's big because they are now qualified for, uh, or these last two are really big. UCLA was 15th last week. They're now number 13. Number 14. Jumping from the 20 spot all the way up to number 14 is the University of Utah as Murph is repping his Utah hockey hoodie from what it looks like. I can't tell if that's a hoodie or a crew neck. No, it is a hoodie. And I wanted to give the boys some love because that was the first stop we did on, on the Hockey House tour. And that footage is going to come out once the offseason kick starts. But I know um, how badly they wanted that. And that was a goal from the start of the season. And, you know, when you meet a group of 19 to 24 year olds in August and then you go and see them win the Pac 8 title, they lost last year to Washington. They actually had the runner up trophy at training camp and that was like a big thing. Like they were shooting pucks at it and everything. So to see them go and win that title in overtime against San Jose State was really cool to watch. It made me want to go dig up some of that footage and, and share it with the internet to see. So I want to give them a shout out. Also wanted to give a shout out to Intermountain ACHA on Instagram. They do a phenomenal job of covering West Coast ACHA, particularly ACHA M2 West region. They were at the Mountain West Collegiate Hockey League playoffs, I believe I'm getting that acronym right, this weekend in Logan. And so they were on the scene for that. And honestly, just a, a crazy weekend when you look at it and the top two seeds moving on in this region, booking trips to St. Louis right now are Montana State and Weber State. And neither one of those teams were in the finals of this conference tournament, right? You had Utah State take down Providence in the final. Both Providence and Utah State will have to battle out of that region to get to nationals. Montana State has had a phenomenal year and maybe just didn't play their best hockey against Utah State the other night. But again, big shout out to the boys at Utah for getting it done at the Pac-8 championships this weekend at eastern washington but again the west is uh it's wide open and so i'm sure this regional will be very exciting and utah state 
again, home ice advantage for the playoffs. They will have home ice advantage once again for the regional. The ACHA rankings are so weird because you see it was UNH, University of New Hampshire. They went out west and they played some of the best teams. They played Utah State. They played Weber State and they swept. They went 3-0 and on the weekend. And I feel like maybe the teams in the Northeast don't get a lot of love in the ranking system. It's always interesting when they meet at nationals and and this time around it'll be in St. Louis. So looking forward to that. Alex, what do, we, what do we have next up? Next up, we got the Northeast. Definitely some movement in this one. We'll kick things off. Number one, Northeastern will stay in the one spot. Uh, they also won the bean pot at the NCAA level last night. Uh, that was a pretty cool game. I don't know if anybody watched that, but cool to see their school uh, having success. Keene State will remain at the number two spot. RPI will stay at the number three. UNH will go up from six to four. Army will stay at five. Shout out to Chris Matone, friend of the podcast, their goalie coach out there. UMass gets dropped down from four to number six. Bentley is going to remain at seven. Sacred Heart is going to remain at eight. BU is going to remain at number nine. St. Anselm is going to remain at 10. Clarkson stays at 11. Siena stays at 12. UConn moves up one to number 13. And Conn College with the heartbreaker, bumps out BC. Con College last week was number 15, and now they are in the regional tournament at the last spot in 14. I love this region. I'm actually just like looking at my calendar right now. I'm like, oh, I got to get down there, right? Keen, two hours away. Like it's just, it's just calling my name. And, and Herm knows Keen State, their last year without NCAA hockey. We've had our eye on them. It was a spot we talked about going and visiting and just never made it down. And it's a shame because they played so well last weekend that they're not even going to play in their own regional. They are hosting the M2 regional in the Northeast. Heck of a weekend from the Owls. A big win over Liberty, which basically clinched the number two spot for them. They don't have to sweat it out. They are going straight to nationals. They're looking at flights right now. Probably going to fly out of Boston. Get that Boston to St. Louis flight. Pretty proud of the the Owls. There's a lot of guys that we know on that team, and they've had a heck of a season. And for them, I know they would have loved to play in that regional, but it, it is just like a sigh of relief when you know that you can start booking that trip now. Is it safe to call Northeastern a hockey factory? Win at the bean pot, number one at men's two, number one at women's two in the region. A lot of hockey history at Northeastern, Matthews Arena, all those teams playing out of there, great barn. That NCAA team has really turned it around, though. I saw them play earlier in the year. They lost like 5-2 to two to Merrimack, and it was like, this team is, is dead walking. You want to talk about GCU turning around the second semester. Northeastern beat BU outside of the bean pot. They beat BU again in the bean pot. We talked to the boys on the M2 team earlier this season. They came on the podcast. My days at Syracuse, I think about like tailgating and March Madness and going to football games and all that. And these Northeastern kids are like the bean pot. They want to tell bean pot stories all day long. And I'm like, guys, this is an ACHA podcast. Like we want to hear about the trip to Florida Gulf Coast. We want to hear about going to regionals. We want to hear about going to nationals. Like watching last night in the Northeastern student section was going nuts all game. I was like, I just, I know the club guys at Northeastern are loving it right now. It's actually great because I can speak to the bean pot experience. I don't know, Murph, if you've ever attended being so close. I have been to two bean pot games. When I was playing my first year of juniors and my second year of juniors, I was up in Vermont with the Lumberjacks and the EHL. My billet mom's 
sister is a Northeastern alum and decided that it would be a good idea if we all collectively went together. So we drove down from Vermont to TD Garden. The first year I got to watch the semifinal game, it was Northeastern and BU. That was an unbelievable goalie battle. It was Caden Primo and Jake Ottinger playing against each other. And that game wound up in overtime, I believe it was Northeastern uh, won that game, which was really sweet. And to be sitting right next to their student section and watching them play was unbelievable. The second time that I went to a Beanpot game was the following season. We went for both the runner-up game and the championship game. The championship game was the one where Trevor Zegers tied the game with like 1.8 seconds left to go in the third period. The whole place erupted, and I think that wound up being either a double or triple overtime win for Northeastern, which was absolutely nuts. I can highly recommend to anybody who's in the area, if you're a fan of hockey, if you're a fan of college hockey, whatever level that you play, definitely see if you can get tickets to the Bean Pop because it's, it's pretty cool to see an entire NHL arena filled with college hockey fans and college students it was for sure on my list of things to to do this year and you guys are rangers fans so you know right like it is so tough to go to an nhl game right like fork over your arms and legs and and all of your personal belongings just to see your favorite team play like they're not even guaranteed to win you might go to the game i had friends the other night who went and they got shut out the bruins got shut out so like it is so expensive to go to nhl games especially in these marquee cities even the bean pot this year i mean you got bu and bc are one and two so like i had somebody coming to me and they were like i have bean pot ticket two bean pot tickets for 150 dollars. you want to go and i was like oh two tickets 150 bucks like eh, that's not bad and they were like no they're 150 each and i'm like oh Listen, I love the bean pot. I love college hockey and I want to go and check it out. I I think I might try to go to the Hockey East playoffs at the Garden, but like, man, that's a lot for a college hockey game, let alone an NHL game. So it is crazy out there. Well, I think there's one more region to go, Alex, right? Are, Are we missing somebody? Yes, we are. We are missing the Southeast region, everybody's favorite region. Starting things off, Florida Gulf Coast will remain at the number one spot. They were number one last week. Liberty at number two. They were number two last week. Indiana will stay at number three. Miami of Ohio will stay at number four. Kentucky will stay at number five. Ohio University goes up from seven to six. UNC goes from six to seven. NC State will remain at eight. Penn State will remain at nine. Ryder will move up one spot from 11 to 10. Louisville will move down to number 10 to number 11. UNC Wilmington stays at number 12. Rowan jumps into the number 13 spot and bumps out the University of Michigan. University of Pennsylvania goes from number 19 to number 14. A couple of big jumps there late at the end of the season. I take back everything I said about going to the Northeast region because, Herm, I'm thinking about booking a flight to Columbus and making the trek to Athens because you want to talk about pool of death last year at AAU Nationals where you had Fordham, Liberty, South Carolina, Bama. This is the region of death. This is chaos. This is awesome. This is everything you live for. The fact that we had UNC Wilmington, the 12 seed in this region, playing Rowan in the arguably the best conference in this region, and they are 12 and 13. You have 
Michigan, who upsets the two-time defending TSCHL champion, Indiana Hoosiers. They bump the Hoosiers from the top two spots. Now the Hoosiers have to go to regionals. You have Michigan sitting at home. I'm thinking about Herb Brooks sitting on his couch watching the 1960 gold medal. Like Michigan has to sit at home and watch all these teams have fun in Athens because I haven't even considered that. Like how much fun are these teams going to have playing hockey, let alone hanging out in Athens? Like this is going to be the place to be. And of course, it's the Southeast region. Why not have it in Athens, Ohio, right? Of course, that makes sense, right? This is chaos at its finest. You have Miami University who won the TSCHL and those jerseys that Herm hates because they have the brick pattern on them. You have Kentucky in there at five. Ohio is the host there, number six. This is going to be UNC and NC State are seven and eight. Like this, this is going to be can't miss hockey in Athens, Ohio. I can't, I still can't believe it's at Bird, honestly. (laughs) Of all the rigs to put it at, to put it at Bird is so insane to me. There's no reason that, that Bird should host a regional. Wait a second. Hold on. Rewind for a second. Bird Arena is hosting a regional tournament? Are you serious? Yes, Alex. That that rink in the ACHA with three locker rooms? Yes, they're going to have 12 teams playing in a tournament there on a weekend in February. I I'm not really sure what to do with that information other than wanting to slam my face in the desk that is in front of me currently because that sounds absolutely awful (laughs) herm do you want to set a line at pucks that hit the ceiling that weekend 30 okay so 30 and a half we'll set the line please send your picks to the hockey house pod instagram send us a dm and uh we'll let you know where you can get that bet because i mean this is awesome i i sincerely think when Alex read off the Northeast region, I was like, this is going to be awesome. A lot of good teams in my backyard. And now I'm looking at the Southeast region and it's like, oh, Southeast region. Oh, you mean Southeast Ohio? Get them there. Get them there. 740. Welcome to the party, baby. This is going to be chaos. We should have an Instagram page devoted to reporting on this tournament alone. I kind of want to know how long it's going to take for the ice to get all the way down to the concrete. Because with the amount of skating that they're going to wind up doing on that rink, it's very possible. And by the way, David, I think your 30 pucks is well short of the total. I think you're going to wind up seeing many more than that. And there's going to be a lot of trips to pure hockey to buy buckets of pucks so that there are enough supplied because that is a lot of hockey to play. Alex, just a little fun fact. The nearest pure hockey is an hour away from the rink. So yeah, that that's, that, that's not going to work. That's, that's not going to work. I'm putting out a call to action to the bars in Athens, Ohio, because there are so many and it is a great college town. You know how, if you go to like a, a major city, they have bars for each NFL team on Sunday, right? So if you are a Steelers fan and you're in Boston, you can go to a certain bar and there will be a bunch of Steelers fans. Or if you're in New York City and you're a Ravens fan, you can go to a Ravens bar and they have the Ravens game on. I need each bar in Athens, Ohio to pick a team in this tournament. And that is the designated area for each team. That would be awesome. And obviously the Bobbies will get the CI and then everybody else gets their pick of the litter because that is that is such a cool town. This will be such a good tournament. 
We just need the Olympias to hold up and we need the ice to hold up and everybody will be in for a treat. Wait a second, David, do they even have Olympias there? Is that what they, is that what they use? Okay. <laughs> I'm genuinely concerned for the, the safety and well-being of that entire building because <laughs> that is not a very big rink. There is not a lot of room to move around. That's going to be, oh man, that's going to be something else. All right. Well, if you are still listening, we appreciate you so much because we haven't even gotten to our interview. We have a great interview this week. We met up a couple months ago, actually, with Cam Shabbat. He is a grad student at the University of Kentucky. The reason we are publishing this interview this week is he was actually named TSCHL Co-Rookie of the Year. As a 24-year-old grad student, his first season with Kentucky, he spent four years at Indiana Tech. He was Indiana Tech Male Athlete of the Year last year as a senior, recorded, I want to say, over 100 points in his four seasons with the Warriors in the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference. He was a great interview. We did this from our hotel in Lexington. If there's a couple of tidbits that seem a little bit outdated, this was recorded in September, but we had such a great time with him and we've been meaning to release this for a while. So him being named co-rookie of the year, we figured what better time. And of course, this one is presented by Optimax Sports. Optimax Sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. The best part is these guys know club hockey, so they understand what you're going through on a daily basis, the struggles as a club president that you go through every day, and they are trying to make your life easier with their website platform. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. If you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral link at optimexsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. And once again, we have a website through Optimax, hockeyhousepod.com. Be sure to check that out. We got our bios up on the roster. We got articles that Collins is writing about the ECHA. Plenty of content waiting for you on the website, so be sure to check it out at hockeyhousepod.com. And if you're interested in signing up, it is optimexsports.com slash sign up slash hockeyhousepod. And now over to our interview with Kentucky grad student Cam Shabbat. We're pleased to be joined by a former Indiana Tech star, the 2023 Indiana Tech Male Athlete of the Year and current graduate student for the University of Kentucky, hailing from Allen Park, Michigan, number 39, Cameron Shabbat. Hey guys, good to be here. We're, we're big time now. We're doing hotel interviews. It's actually a good setup for the first time. Thank you for helping us. This, yeah, was, this, is, yeah, this is great. First off, what does today look like for you? So midnight game against Louisville. We're in town. You've had one weekend of midnight hockey under your belt. What have you learned and what are you looking to do differently in preparation for the midnight puck drop? I've learned that we're currently doing this interview at 11 a.m. and I have 13 hours till a game. So for a graduate student, my school schedule is pretty open. It's kind of class whenever I want. So with that, I'll just have a nice little lunch, maybe a little dinner, take a nap until about eight, get ready for the game and be at the rink by 930. Wow. You're a pro at this already. Yeah, basically. How can being a mechanical engineer have an open schedule? In what, in what world does that make sense? The classes are Monday, Wednesday are required to be at seven o'clock to eight o'clock. And then basically everything else is on you. It's basically just research papers, a lot of reports. So it's kind of just do it on your own. I typically do it at the start of the week so that hockey doesn't interfere with it. We talked to you about like, maybe you were going to give us a tour. I'm guessing you don't have too many in-person classes because you, you passed on the tour. Yeah, no, I have zero in-person classes. <laughs> so are you living off campus? Yeah, I'm living about 20 minutes away from uh, campus and about 25 from the rink. If I gave you guys a little tour, it would just be like, hey, there's this building. There's the bookstore because it says the bookstore. Um, 
and you're decked out in merch so you know where the bookstore is. I know where the bookstore is, yes, correct. We plan on stopping by later today. Yeah. So walk us through like your, your hockey career growing up. You're from Michigan, had a hockey stick in your hand at two years old. Like what what was that process like? Yeah, no, I started young, just growing up. It was a lot of double A hockey for me for the youth programs. Um, I was always more interested in baseball, but then when I got to high school, um, made freshman baseball, varsity hockey. Um, so then I kind of transitioned to varsity tennis, golf, and hockey. So no real time for the AAA aspect of it. Just wanted to enjoy, you know, school and the high school environment. We are huge high school hockey guys. Like, tell us about high school hockey in Michigan. High school hockey in Michigan, we were the D3. So it's the lowest of the three. Um, but we were a pretty decent school. Uh, my sophomore year, we actually had a record for the least amount of wins in school history with two. Um, and one of the wins, we beat the fire department team. So it wasn't really a win. Uh, and then my junior year, we had the best school record of 23 wins. Uh, and then my senior year, I went to Phoenix, Arizona. So I did not play my senior year. So you took kind of a page out of my playbook, which is mentioned all the other sports you're good at you know I'd rather talk about other things like baseball and tennis and you got to be one of the better athletes on the team right maybe um, I know growing up um, we had a lot of football players actually on our hockey team which was rare for Michigan high school hockey Oh yeah, the football football players dump and chase, go 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 wreck that poor D man. Why hockey though? If you're good at all these other things, how do you land on hockey? Uh, you can take uh, a couple years off of college um, for juniors, <laughs> so that was one big aspect. But I don't know. I just liked being at the rink, and then when I moved away, that's when I like really started to enjoy hockey. Was surprised with the number of, of junior teams you played for, and I think you came to the Northeast. You went to Arizona for junior hockey. Like, were you looking to play in any specific leagues, or was it kind of just like contacting coaches? and whoever gets back to you. I mean, it was always like, you want to get to the Null. That's a major step. Going to the Western States and Arizona, I mean, Arizona was the best place to live. I wish I could go back there. Yeah, Arizona was awesome. Going to the East Coast, I went, you know, I went Western States and I went to AAA. Then I went back to the Western States that same year because I couldn't deal with, you know, like 18U. There's different rules. You can't wear a visor. There's no fighting, no real contact. So I went back to the Western States, found out that I, you know, this wasn't for me. So I went to the EHL, went to Boston, didn't really play a whole lot. So asked for a trade. And that's when I ended up in Philly. That guy was, he was crazy. So kind of made me hate hockey. So came back home to Michigan and was just going to start school. Didn't want anything to do with hockey. Buddy hit me up and said, Hey, you want to come play the last four games with us? Like we need a big push for playoffs. Uh, so played four games with Motor City, did really well. And that's how Indiana Tech reached out to me. That's awesome. We'll, we'll get back to how you ended up in the ACHA, but I have to ask because you might have a brutal elite prospects picture. What was with the, the Chrome K? in Philly. Yeah, so my my bubble broke, little tiny pro shop. It's like all they had. It's juniors, so I'm broke. You know what? I'll just spend the 20 bucks, get this chrome cage, and they got the worst photo of me. So you wore it for like a couple games, and now it's like yeah. elite prospects picture? I wore it for that showcase for three games, and that was it. We'll get Herm uh, to, to fix that for you. He's got the, <laughs> the EP. We'll get you a nice new Kentucky right, photo I appreciate for that. that. But you mentioned Indiana Tech. Like, What was your college recruiting experience like? Tim probably knows this too, but like as an undersized forward like every junior hey, hockey hey, coach hey, every junior hockey coach is looking for that 21 year old 6'2 guy to fill a spot like were you just like answering any calls that you could like were you, did you know about the ACHA what was that like yeah no so Frank DeCristofero is actually from my high school uh, he graduated from Allen Park High my freshman year of high school he actually came and talked to us when he was starting the program you know basically said hey we need bodies so I remember him coming into our locker room seven years ago before I came to tech uh, I called him and I was kind of just going to go to college I wasn't really going to play hockey um, I knew about the ACHA I, I had a couple of D3 teams talking to me uh, I just knew that I 
wanted mechanical engineering. And for D3, that's not really a possibility other than a couple of schools, maybe three or four. Just going to Indiana Tech for a small university. The coach is from my hometown, so I kind of know what I'm getting. It was kind of an easy choice. I think it's pretty relatable to a lot of hockey players in that that kind of like juniors purgatory to to start to kind of hate the game. And like, yeah, I definitely experienced that for, for a little. And did the success of that little four game stretch that you said, is that what made you kind of say, hey, you know, playing well is fun. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I don't know what would have happened if I didn't play those four games. Obviously I did well in the four games, so it definitely helped out a lot and made me like it a little more. And I had a coach push me away from the love of the game and then kind of came back to, you know, this is actually kind of fun. Is it the part that's in and out of the lineup? For me, it was kind of the, the grind of like, you know, for you being a, a smart guy, mechanical engineer, it's it's like, what am I doing this all for? I'm a bright guy. Why do I have to, you know, feel horrible about myself? My game shouldn't define me. Was that kind of your experience as well? And like, I'm a smart guy. I don't need to be feeling so terrible about myself. The biggest thing for me is I first got to the one team and I had four points and three games. Uh, and then the next weekend I get scratched. Had no clue. Uh, he said it was because my size, we were playing a bigger team. We ended up losing both of those games. It was kind of just like stressful. And I knew D3, I was either going to go to a really bad school and play a lot, or I was going to go to a decent school and probably not see the lineup maybe three times a year. So for me, it was, yeah, getting back into the lineup, playing every game, playing just for the love. 34 games played, 44 points your freshman year. That's got to make you love hockey a lot. I got truly blessed with two good freshmen, and we were actually the fourth line at Indiana Tech. Playing every game, even my freshman year, was awesome. And I do say this is like my biggest brag is that I didn't miss a single game at Indiana Tech. I played every single game. Do you know the number off the top of your head? Probably close to like 110. He was there four years. I didn't miss a game at Syracuse, and I got 86. We had we had no COVID year. I mean, you guys played through, right? Like, what? We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But what I want to get? What was your welcome to the ACHA moment? Indiana Tech. You guys play in the WAC. That's a conference where like there's a lot of schools that people might not have heard of from the East Coast. Like any bus rides that were miserable out there. Or we talked to the Concordia guys. They were great. They told yeah. some WAC stories. But like, what was your welcome to the ACHA moment? I mean, I didn't really have one my freshman year. I mean, we did beat a team like 15 to one, and that was like my fourth or fifth game. I'm like, wow. This is the ACHA. You're like, I'm, I'm going to have eight points a game. Yeah. I mean, it was just that one team and you're like, wow, this is this is ACHA. But then you'll go and you'll play Dearborn or you'll play Lawrence Tech or Aquinas, you know, and they're actually good games. Um, and that freshman year, we also played Ohio at Ohio. So that was another welcome to the ACHA. Like, wow, they packed the barn and it was really cool. Sick place. It's a sick place to play. You bragged for a second. Can you brag about how good Indiana Tech is, how good that conference is, how tough that schedule is? Like, that's ACHA in a nutshell right there. Okay, who's this school I've never really heard of? They're damn good. It's, it's tough hockey. It's physical hockey. Tell, tell us how, how good that is. I'll just talk about Indiana Tech as a whole. Small university, so if you haven't heard of Indiana Tech, located in Fort Wayne, Indiana, second biggest uh, city in Indiana. The WAC as a whole, as an engineer, we always look at statistics and stuff. And my coach was really big into this. And I think when we looked last year, the WAC as a conference was the third best ranked conference in the ACHA, which it doesn't really get looked upon, but you just got a lot of gritty teams, a lot of good teams. You got Dearborn, you got us. Concordia's really well now. Uh, Lawrence Tech, Aquinas is always good. Just a lot of good teams that are always ranked in the top 20. You mentioned your freshman year, moving to sophomore year, COVID season, not everybody was playing, but it felt like everybody in the WAC was playing. Like you guys had a shortened schedule, but you still got to play. Was Fort Wayne, Indiana like open season, like everything was open or was the, did you guys have to deal with some stuff? Classes were online but we had to get COVID tested every week 
Um, and I think the only teams not playing in the WAC that year was Rochester and Dearborn. Um, so we always had teams to play. Um, I think we played 21 games that year. It was a lot of restrictions and protocols that we had to go through, but we were able to get 21 games when most people weren't. We'll talk about what it's like here at Kentucky, but I think you can understand Kentucky is more of like the university sees it as a club sport. Indiana Tech, like you guys are a part of athletics. What was it like playing there under the athletic department? Cool thing about Indiana Tech is the WAC conference is actually NAIA. All their programs are fully funded. Men's Division One hockey, women's Division One hockey, men's Division Two hockey are all funded by the school. You don't pay for a single thing other than maybe a bag of chips at the gas station. That's about it. You get free sticks, free gear, free ice, free travel. Everything is completely free. Must be nice. If you're going to the gas station, you can grab three things. What are you grabbing on the road? That It says a lot about your character, what, what you're pulling out of the gas station. I'll grab the little Gatorade light. Uh, this is not a sponsor. Neon bag of Skittles, the sour Skittles. Before the game, for sure, it's the neon Skittles. Uh, and then probably a Snickers. But if it's after the game, I've been going with the Oreo ice cream sandwich. That's a loaded lineup right there. So you guys got to go to nationals at Maryville. No nationals your freshman year. Indiana Tech seems like it's a program on the rise getting higher in the rankings every year you guys made to the semis lost to adrian what did you learn from that experience uh we learned a lot so that was a nice thing about the covid year too is we kind of had an open schedule we weren't restricted to any whack games um so i think that year we played adrian three or four times just in the regular season we were the only team to come close to beating them that year they won it it was still a really good game hard fought speaking of that nationals the robert morris game was insane i think it was like two to nothing then we scored three unanswered goals in the matter of like five minutes so it was really cool. It's funny you mentioned Robert Morris too, because I think they played like two games and then they were like number one in the rankings. And we were all just like, how does this work? You mentioned as like an engineer guy, like you're paying attention to the stats, like how much rankings talk is there at Indiana Tech? Like are you guys constantly looking like, oh, we got to beat this team by this amount of goals. Like we want to move up. Like we want to make a name for ourselves. The cool thing about the ACHA is like, I know because I'm into the stats and stuff, but you have to win by a certain amount of goals for your ranking to go up or to stay at what it is. So I think if you play an unranked team or, you know, out of the top 25, you have to beat them by seven goals or six goals. So just knowing that and knowing you have, you have to come in every night and want to win. We might have to make you our, our hockey house analytics guy. And when we talk rankings, we'll, we'll come to you. Let's talk St. Louis. Cause I mean, you guys go back to nationals again for junior year, thrilling overtime game against UCO who ends up like going the distance. And I remember talking with Herman, the guys, I was like, guys like UCO went the distance, but like Indiana Tech was right there like and that's got to be tough too because like not that you guys were probably fundraising money to go to nationals like other teams might have but like go down to St. Louis and it's like you're one and done like did that leave a sour taste in your mouth going into senior year that whole trip I mean it's a long bus ride from Indiana Tech I think it's probably nine ten hours UCO I knew a lot of kids on that team just because they're mostly El Paso Rhinos from the western states so I knew a lot of kids on that team already but then going to overtime I'm glad they went the distance because they were a good team and I think the next night they went to double overtime time five five overtimes over yeah yes that could have been you guys you no. wouldn't have had the legs for a fifth no, year if you played in that no, game no yeah that was a that was a really fun game to be a part of that's a nice thing about d2 is you you're guaranteed three games i mean you know that every team knows that going into it so part of the risk now senior year you've put up consistent numbers you had a really good freshman year male athlete of the year last year at indiana tech what was your senior year like i'm imagine buddies with all those guys for the four years you were at tech what do you remember most from last year going into my senior year a little stressed one of my good buddies, Zach Bennett, graduate student when I was a junior, and he's been on my line three years, four years. And then going into my senior year, I had my roommate, Mattia Krasny. That's all I had on my line from my freshman year. Um, so I was a little stressed out who's going to be on my line. I've played with the same 
same guys for three years. Uh, but I knew we had a good team going into it. And a big thing was our decor and our goalies. And any game that saves you is the decor and the goalies. Um, so I knew we were going to have a good year regardless. Trying to figure out who's going to be on my line, power play, what's that looking like, what's PK looking like, kind of stuff like that. So winning male athlete of the year at Indiana Tech, you realize that every club hockey player's dream is not to be named male athlete of the year, but to just be named an athlete. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely a surprise. Um, my coach texted me and he's like, hey, you're gonna be at the awards, right? And I was like, yeah, and I, you know, I was talking to my parents. I'm like, oh, maybe I got nominated for it, but you know, like tech, I mean, you think of it as a small school, but we have every sport other than maybe football. There's a lot of athletes truly honored to be named that. It was a fun night. I'm assuming like, like any hockey locker room, you guys do some off ice activities. What is your strong suit in athletics? Like, are you playing? playing tennis anymore with some of the guys on the team like what are what are some off ice activities that prove you were the male athlete of the year no a lot of guys we played a lot of beard eye we didn't really play sports i mean a lot of guys we had a lot of euros so they were that's a sport that's a sport beard eye is a sport it is a sport (laughs) you must be so good at defense and die defense is the only thing i'm probably good at in that game (laughs) (laughs) a lot of guys were into soccer because they're all euros i'm not good at soccer where's coach getting the euros from uh sweden my roommate was from czech there's another kid on, on tech right now that's from Czech. talk about nationals in marlboro i'm assuming through your junior hockey career you probably played a couple showcases in marlboro was that a cool experience did you enjoy it i know st louis was a really good setup i liked st louis um at lindenwood a lot better i mean even maryville was really nice i think it was it was overwhelming how big it was and i forgot how big that rink was but i did like how we were always on the one sheet so you knew where you stood i mean obviously when overtime hits and you're sitting in the locker room for 20 extra minutes it's not very nice but Again, you know what you're getting into. That game against Minot had us on our feet. Like that was like, oh, like they might do it here. You guys put up such a good effort, and that is such a good hockey team. Like we've watched them already this year, just steamroll Liberty, who's the fourth best team in the country. Like, what was it like playing against those guys? They're grown men. They're Canadian. Western Canadian yeah, boys. They're, they're all grown men. To even go to overtime with them was awesome. I mean, obviously we wanted to win, but we uh, we knew we gave everything we got. So. I mean, we couldn't hang our heads about it. It was a really fun atmosphere to play in. Off-season comes, did you know you wanted to do a grad year? Like, where does the ball start rolling on, on that? There was a grad year. Did Tech have options for that? I started thinking about grad school probably my first semester senior year. Everyone who's kind of gone through tech has done like an MBA, an MBA or some kind of master's degree. I knew I wanted to do it. And funny thing about it is I actually have another year after this year uh, because of the COVID year. So they gave me one for missing my freshman year nationals and half my year sophomore year. So I knew that I had possibly two years. If I play the two, I, I play the two. But yeah, going into admissions again and doing all the applications, it was like I'm starting freshman year again. Tech didn't really have an engineering master's program. So if I was going to go for an MBA, I was going to do it at Tech. So then I was looking at other schools and I was actually looking at three in total for ACHA D2 and ended up choosing Kentucky. Because this is like kind of like a hockey house pod dream. Like you play four years at Indiana Tech and then you're just like, I want to play one more year and I'm going to get my pick of the litter. Like I'm sure I'm sure plenty of coaches were picking up the call when you were reaching out. I mean, finding a team was, wasn't hard, but just finding the right fit, the best school, my thing was big academics. So going to a school that would set me up for success after hockey was a big thing. And manufacturing systems engineering as there's not a lot of programs that have that. Kentucky was good for that and financially better than the other options that I was looking at. I mean, you announced your commitment here. Like what has the transition been like from Fort Wayne, Indiana to Lexington, Kentucky? It's the same, but different. Um, You still got farmland different in the aspect that 
It's an SEC school. I mean, it's huge. They have a football team. Here. They actually have a football team, yeah. Might not win male athlete in the <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> they probably don't even know we have a hockey team here. But it's a good transition. I like it here a lot. I mean, I loved uh, Indiana Tech. You get so accustomed to doing the same things every day. You get in a rhythm. Coming here, it, I live in a small town, and it's very quiet, which is different than Fort Wayne where I lived. Uh, it was very loud. But Lexington, I mean, it's it's fun. It's really fun. We've had a blast so far. Have you made it to any of the tracks? I know it, we're, we're not getting to horse racing season yet. But. Yeah, horse racing starts uh, October 6th, I believe, at Keeneland. Um, so we'll definitely have to make it. I know we were talking to, to Clay, and he was trying to get us to come down when the track was open, but we, we wanted to come for this game, right? Walk us through your first midnight. That's got to be insane walking out onto the ice for that. Just getting prepared for it in general was hard. They tell you there's this many fans. You don't really believe it until you see it. They can tell you you got a lot of fans. You can see the publicity and the Instagram, but you, you don't know it until you step on the ice. After warmups, you know, crowds kind of coming in. Uh, it was BU, so it was our first weekend. So there wasn't a whole lot of people at warmups, kind of like tonight. Like, I'm sure it'll be packed for warmups because they want to get in there. But I remember I probably peed. 10 times before I stepped on the ice for the starting lineup. Insane how many people were out there. Well, that's funny because we were listening to TP's speech last night and he was like, make sure you go pee. Like we, you don't want to be holding anything in when, when the puck drops. No, he's not lying. It, <laughs> it is. And it gets really, really loud. I mean, it's really loud. Just walking on the ice and you're like, wow. And especially coming from tech, you probably had 40 people at the games and you know, 10 of them are girlfriends. 10 of them are from the D2 team. 10 of them are from the women's team. And the other 10 are parents. I wasn't used to that. And then you come here and it's all kids at midnight who I'm sure are not sober. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've seen it at, you know, at both sides, you know, being at two schools in the ACHA, you play, played your fair share of junior. What is what Kentucky, the show that they put on, the, the job they do on social media, what does that say about club hockey and where it's at? No, I think club hockey is really taking off. I mean, you guys do a huge help in that, growing the game of ACHA. And um, part of the ACHA that makes it cool is that it is a huge publicity thing, huge Instagram thing. You feel good walking around campus and people actually know you have a hockey team. I think it's growing. And I mean, honestly, even in the ACHA D1, you talk about you know your top 15 teams, half of those kids on each team could have went NCAA. They just chose to go the ACHA route because they want to have fun when you talk to younger guys um, that maybe reach out to you that are at that crucial point of their hockey career and deciding that that same sort of conundrum do I go NCAA D3 and kind of you know no one really knows uh, that I exist or do I go play at a big school w what advice do you give to someone yeah, so I actually just had this conversation um, with my sister's boyfriend who is going to Indiana Tech this year, actually. He's a freshman, and you know he had a couple of NCAA D3 offers, and I kind of told him, look at the tuition prices. I know what you're going to pay at Tech, and I don't know what you're going to pay there, but I can tell you Tech is a lot cheaper, and you're going to have a lot more fun, and you're going to play. You don't want to sit in the stands. You don't want to you know, take stats. So I think that's a big thing. Do you realize how sick of an operation you have at Kentucky with the apparel, your staff. I mean, Murph and I went in there and like, you know, it's, it's no offense to Syracuse. We, the, the program was kind of at a term when we were there and we're, we're growing it, we're building it back up and it, it's really good to see, but I've been out of it for a couple of years now, but I was floored when I went there. It felt like an NHL operation there, you know, meet our equipment staff, meet our media staff. I, I'm sitting there, I'm going, these guys, do they know how good they have it? They have boxes and new gloves up there. The guys are sitting on the bench at practice yesterday. They're going, break, we had to break in our third set of new gloves. And then, you know, in, in three weeks in the season, I'm saying, you guys, you know how good you have? 
have it? Like we, I had to, we had to fight to use our logo on our on our jackets. Like how do you realize how good you have it? Yeah, no, that's what I keep telling the rookies when they complain about stuff. I'm like, you guys have three awesome equipment managers. You have a fantastic photography, videography. Kai is awesome. What he does on social media is awesome. Mary, what she does with her photos, it's awesome. We have a great staff and they're all unpaid. I think that's the biggest thing that the biggest takeaway is they're all unpaid. So they're doing it completely on their time, which makes it even better. I was floored by, I mean, you see the media staff, like you know to expect that, but the equipment staff, they were asking on the bench, one of the managers was like, are any of those empty? We sit on the bench and go, are any of these full? Like, where's the full? Like, I was like, and they had, you know, Gary's trying to get his, his 4,500. He's being a, a, a bum and not, uh, he didn't want to wear the new CCM helmet. So they're like screwing the fishbowl on and off for him. And it was amazing. But you mentioned the talent level at M1. Were there any guys on the team when you came to Kentucky, you're like, wow, this, this kid could play. Like, maybe make some noise if he was, uh, you know, I, oh, I wish we had this guy when I was at Indiana Tech. I think it falls back into the same category as like uh, D1 to NCAA of D2 to D1. I mean, you have your top, you know, nine guys that could easily play. They just probably didn't want to go to a bad school. And I mean, Kentucky's an awesome school to go to. So why not go there and just have fun playing hockey? A lot of guys just come after high school. They don't play juniors at the D2 level. So having those young guys who who are already good that played AAA and they, they just want to go to school. And so you, you played BU the, the first weekend. You guys went to North Carolina last weekend, played NC State, UNC, two teams that were huge in the spotlight last year because of the attendance they had at the outdoor game. Was that a cool experience to go and play those teams? Yeah, no, NC State actually packed, I would say close to, you know, 1100 fans the big difference about their fans to our fans is our fans watch the game and they cheer and they're they're really loud where nc state i was like are there even fans out here like, oh, <laughs> you, can, you can see them but i mean they're not even cheering when they score and you're like you know that's cool that you packed they, the barn but wait, come on they didn't wait in line for three hours to yeah. get uh one of 500 tickets i mean you're used to playing like Concordia, Dearborn, and now you're playing UNC, NC State. Like that's got to be pretty cool. When you're talking to people from back home, they're like, "Oh, you like you went to a better school, a better division." And it's like, I mean, yeah, I went to a better school, but it's actually a, a league down. They're like, "But you're playing like BU," and I'm like, "Wow." <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, Matt Grizzlick and uh, Jack Eichel were in the lineup last. They, they came down to Lexington, Kentucky. How does it feel to to rock Kentucky hockey gear? on campus you know it's it's tough with when you're fighting upwards naturally in in the club hockey world it's like you know i'm wearing my hockey gear around and people are like we have a hockey team what's hockey but i feel like the community here just really supports you guys and what you guys do and so you know you proud to wear that uk hockey gorgeous polo you have on well tim i don't go to school Um, (laughs) okay around your apartment complex help me out here (laughs) it's it's cool to have an instagram bot yeah 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 it's for the instagram just walking around Lexington like people will definitely stop and be like you know like I've been to one game and you know I really can't go back because it's at midnight you know but they they do notice that we have a hockey team which is really cool um and it's definitely growing the sport in Lexington because I mean there's what one rink and the closest other rink is Louisville just growing the game in Lexington is awesome well, I have to ask because you brought up Instagram. We, we talked to TP last night and he kept calling it IGA, the at symbol. He thought that was part of the name on, on Instagram. Do you have a TP story yet for Coach Program? Like he seems like quite the character. We're, we're actually calling him Coach O of the ACHA. He seems like uh, quite the character. I mean, he definitely gets on you. Like he'll scream. I've, I was like, wow, this guy, he screams. He means very well, which is nice. And he is a really nice guy, but he'll let you know if you do something bad. It's good and bad. You know, some guys take it to heart but I've always grown up like that with coaches that yell at you. So you kind of just wear it on the chin and 
and kind of keep going. Yeah, he seems like a, a really good motivator as well. I mean, Mur Murph and I are ready to run through a wall. Yeah, no, you are. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're pumped. Your family's coming to town. Is this the, the first time they're going to see you play at Kentucky? Yes, this is the first time. So I got my family coming in, uh, my old roommates coming in, and then family friends are coming in as well. Is this That's like the NHL. Like, yeah. oh, my, my family's coming to town. I got to get tickets for them. Like, yeah. what are they expecting? Like, right. have you had, I'm sure you've had plenty of phone calls with them trying to explain it to them, but like, do they know what to expect tonight? Well, that's kind of like going back to the first game. Like you hear about it and you see it, but you never know until you're there. So it's going to be exciting for them. And like they, they had leg room at Indiana tech, yeah, right? Yeah, like they, they yeah. could sprawl out yeah. in the bleachers they could sit and, anywhere they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I think a good thing to mention is that when we were talking to what, RVG, RVG, they have to cap the attendance because of, you know, the fire marshal, all this. I don't know if you know this, but, I mean, I guess you do because it's your family. He's He gives families passes ahead of time because I don't want you guys waiting in that line. But they are so strict about, hey, it's first come, first serve. I, I don't think people understand, okay, yeah, you get a lot of fans. The lengths that they go through to say, hey, you got to really want it if you want to be here. Your yeah. Were your parents like, do we have to wait in that line? Like, what do we have to do? Yeah, no, they were worried about it. And then, you know, my girlfriend walked past the whole line um, and got in. So she was like, yeah, this is, everyone was getting dirty looks. I mean, I show up at, you know, 9.15 and there's a line already, you know, at the door. I mean, tonight's going to be insane. Like it'll wrap to where we have to park. So just getting through the line to go park is going to be a struggle. Did your girlfriend have like the jean jacket with Shabbat 39 on the back? No, and that, that's why they let no. her cut the line? <laughs> no, that was at Nationals. I don't think she could get away with that here. Oh, no, she yeah. had she, she had an Indiana yeah, Tech yeah. one? Yeah, all the that's, girlfriends so had Indiana Tech. I, gotta, I meant to ask, why 39? Because you wore it at Tech and now you're wearing it here. Was that just like the only number they had at Tech when you got there and you stuck with it? Well, when I got to Philly, that's the number they gave me. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't want to wear this. And he's like, you're going to wear what I give you. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with it and I went from an orange team to another orange team so I'm like you know I kind of like 39 it's different no one really has it so that's kind of just why I chose it is that like when you went to tech did they have a 39 jersey did they like go out and like stitch the 39 on there because that doesn't seem like a number that is kept in stock yeah no at tech like I said they're super nice and like they fund everything so I mean any number you want going in there you get like my roommate was number 77 I mean any number you wanted, they, they had. Who's a character from Indiana Tech that uh, maybe we should have our eye on this year? Uh, I would say Malik Ali. He's a dog. He's, He's a dog? dog. Yeah, he what, what, what kind of style player is he? Uh, gritty, but he can also score some good goals. We got to ask, who is the kid who did the, the reverse push-up celly last year in overtime? Again, we're like always looking for like more whack content, right? Because you know you mentioned it's a very good conference, but maybe not as a lot of media attention on them. And then we get this overtime clip, and this kid's like just going ham on the reverse push-ups at center ice. And who, who is that? Yeah, so that was Cole Barney. And the story behind that is, I think it was the weekend before you guys had posted the Lawrence Tech goalie doing the push-ups with the net. So he was like, if I score, I'm doing the push-ups. And it just so happened he scored the overtime winner. And when he did it, we all started dying laughing. That's so much funnier with context. Yeah. I mean, it was funny yeah, without yeah. context, too, because it's like, what is this guy yeah. doing? But uh, he's doing the push. And he scored there. against that goalie, which was even better. Flip question about Kentucky. Like, who are some guys that uh, you've met so far that are down here that you're like, oh, this this guy's awesome to play with? I mean, there's a lot of good guys on Kentucky. There's a lot of nice guys. I mean, Gabe D'Amico super nice. Brett Quinn's really nice. TP flips lines, so you don't really gain that chemistry. But now I'm on a line with Gary just came back this is his first game back tonight 
He's a Kentucky hockey legend. Oh, yeah, he's 25. I think we have the oldest line in ACHAD2 right now. I'm 24, he's 25, and then we have an 18-year-old. I'm like, you got to give us someone who's like 20 so we've, we can buff the numbers uh, up. Delaney? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we've heard great things from him. We're excited to watch him play tonight. Yeah, he's a character as well. I roomed with him last weekend, and his stories are just unbelievable. I feel like I'm asking this on behalf of Tim, but like, do you feel old with some of these young guys? You're like, wow, I, I've been in, at this for a while. Yeah, they, they remind me how old I am. I mean, every day. I didn't realize how old I was until I think we were sitting in the hotel room and someone put it in perspective of like, dude, you graduated high school when half of these kids were in sixth or seventh grade. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much. Hey, you got you to gotta be old to win in this league. Yeah. Older teams, it's no joke. It's no joke. You got guys like you have been at it since, uh, when the hell did you graduate? 2014? <laughs> When I watch practice, Murph's like, don't you miss it? I'm like, not one bit. <laughs> yeah, I was like, don't you miss like a good flow drill? Nah, that's perfect guinea pig for the first in-person yeah, interview. Exactly. We're looking forward to tonight. Yeah, thank you again. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Cam for joining the show. Like I mentioned, we filmed that way back in September when we went down to Lexington for the midnight game between Kentucky and Louisville. Special guest Tim Kalinowski joining in on the interview. I thought he did a great job, Herm. You were there in person when we did that one, and Tim jumped right into it, right? He's been interviewed on the Hockey House pod, but that was his first time being the interviewer. The Bob Joyce interview that we did was a perfect dry run for having him like officially, officially on the pod. And he stepped right into that role comfortably. A couple shout outs. We talked about the Utah trip already. We, we did do the one to Embry Riddle. That one will come out in the offseason as well. And of course, the Kentucky one. So giving you a sneak peek of that with the interview with Cam Shabbat, of course, wishing Cam and the rest of the Kentucky team best of luck in the upcoming wild, wild Southeast Regional in Athens, Ohio. Without further ado, we'll get to the burgers of the week. Haven't done burgers in a while, so we'll start things off with action between Colorado and Wyoming and women's one Colorado defeating Wyoming 17 to one impressive that this wasn't even the biggest blowout this weekend because it was also done by Oklahoma State they defeated Houston by scores of 17 to one and 13 to nothing honestly credit to Oklahoma State for only beating Houston 13 to nothing because there have been teams that have run it up on Houston a lot worse than that I think Oklahoma State is one of the best teams that Houston has played all year so credit to them for for keeping it close closer than it, it, it should have been. Of course, our burger of the week goes to Montana State. They defeated Idaho State 21 to nothing. I almost think this game hurt Montana State this past weekend because eight teams make the playoffs in their league. They're the one seed. They have to play number eight, Idaho State. They win 21 to nothing. That's got to be tough to get up for a playoff game the next day, and they get upset by Utah State. Again, they scored 21 goals on the weekend. Go back to Bozeman and, and hang your hat on that, but I'm sure they would have traded that 21 to nothing victory for a conference title any day of the week. We'll throw things over to our games to watch this weekend. Starting off with a really good one up in Minot. Minot State, the number one team in ACHA Division One, taking on Simon Fraser University, team we've talked about a couple times this year on the podcast. They played Pitt earlier in the year and they defeated Pitt before taking on NCAA Robert Morris. They've played a couple of, of high-end Division Three opponents and some very quality Division One programs already this year. Simon Fraser, they operate as an independent. They 
play a lot of U sports teams up in Canada. They also play a handful of NCAA D3 teams, some D1 teams. Something that they can hang their hat on is they tied BU earlier in the year. So basically how it works is they're an NCAA Division II school. They are the NCAA's only Canadian university. That puts them in a weird spot for sports like hockey. So they are independent. They operate as kind of a club team, basically traveled the country playing some of the best teams that the United States has to offer in the NCAA. I actually got the pleasure of watching that Simon Fraser team play in person. Uh, in the beginning of the season, they played against Adrian's NCAA team. Adrian wound up coming away with the win, but to be honest with you, it was a lot closer of a game than most people thought that it was going to be. With the schedule that they play, they're a good hockey team. I'm really interested to see how Minot's going to fare against them because, as we know, Minot's always great. But the Simon Fraser team, they're they're pretty solid. I, I'm interested to see what's going to happen for that one. Yeah, probably not the toughest matchup Minot has had playing Colorado College and Denver. I imagine this one's going to be really tough, too, because Simon Fraser has played with the best of them throughout the NCAA. Friday night, we have a, a top 10 matchup at La Haye. Number seven, Liberty takes on number 10, Niagara. Never a dull moment when these two teams get together Thursday night. Colorado State takes on Colorado, an in-state rivalry at the Adora Pool Ice Center, one of my favorite rinks in the ACHA up in Fort Collins, Colorado. Friday night, URI takes on Pitt at the Brad Boss Arena. Pitt looking to kind of get back on track. We talk about a team that has gained a lot of momentum in the second half, GCU, a team that has maybe lost a step or two is Pitt, and so they are looking to right the ship. They sit at number 17 now. I imagine they go down a bit in the rankings with the loss to Oswego this weekend. Friday night, a big one. Thought about maybe making this one the game of the week. University of Oklahoma taking on number three, UCO at Arctic Edge. These two teams played down to the wire last year when they met at the end of the season and Oklahoma was unranked after a tough year. Now Oklahoma is looking to make a trip to St. Louis and they could do so with a win over the Broncos here. They both share Arctic edge as a home rink. This rivalry is bitter. It has been a marquee matchup in the ACHA for a while, and it's now really good to see this one back on top. So definitely keep an eye on that one on Friday night. Saturday, we have Weber state taking on Utah state, two teams, maybe gearing up for regionals. They, they finished the, playoffs last week and and so getting back together again a, a game that we'll have our eye on saturday night this one coming from the weber county sports complex friday night you have michigan taking on dearborn in a battle between the number six team and the number seven team in acha women's action this one coming from yost no college hockey game is, is going to end poorly at yost a great barn going to be great seeing two Michigan teams go at it. Maybe looking like an inter-squad scrimmage at Yost, but the girls won't care about that one. Bitter rivals going head-to-head. Friday night, we have Arkansas taking on Drury at the Jones Center. I'm sure Arkansas is going to pack the house for this one. M3 versus M2. Like we mentioned, Drury securing a spot in ACHA M2 regionals, so looking to build off of that. Then Friday night in the ECHA, you have George Mason taking on University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Wilmington sneaking into that regional, looking to build off of the run they made at the ACC tournament this past weekend. Wednesday night, we have a a special matchup between the number one team in Northeast Women's 2 and the number two team in the Northeast Women's 2 is Northeastern versus Providence College. This one coming from Matthews Arena. We talked about Northeastern is a hockey factory right now so keep an eye on the huskies and then saturday night one to keep an eye on louisiana state lsu taking on university of houston at the sugarland ice and sports center two marquee schools going head to head on the ice 
looking to end the season on a high note. Both teams looking for their first official sanctioned ACHA wins in program history. Not It wouldn't be LSU's first in program history, but it would be their first in this iteration of LSU ACHA hockey. So glad to see they have the team back. Glad that Houston has a team and this one is going to be a big one. So that brings us to our game of the week, Thursday night down in Tucson, Arizona. Currently ranked number 19, the University of Arizona hosting their bitter interstate rivals, Arizona State University at the convention center. Game six of the Cactus Cup series. The teams play seven times throughout the regular season. This will be game six. U of A leads the series three games to two. They will play on Thursday night, and then they will also play on Saturday. Game seven, they will play it no matter what, but game seven would be Saturday night in Tucson. It is the Cactus Cup rivalry trophy on hand for this one. Collins is picking U of A. He made his pick before the podcast got recorded. He's, of course, at Villanova practice tonight. We will throw things over to David Herman for the first pick of the night. U of A for sure. I mentioned earlier in the podcast that the WCHL is one of the strongest conferences, if not the strongest conference in ACHA M1 right now. I would expect Arizona to put their foot down and end the season strong in this rivalry game. Uh, I'll go next. We'll, we'll let Alex finish it out. And maybe this is me not wanting the hockey house sweep. I'm going to go with, with ASU. I think they, they bring this thing down to the wire on Thursday night. I think they get a win on Thursday. We'll go 3-3 tied into Saturday's game, and then anything can happen. But uh, I'm going to ride the, the hockey house bump here. Had Hunter Friesen on last week. He talked about the prep that was going into this, and that is an ASU team that desperately needs a win. They went 0-3 on the Colorado trip last weekend. So you got to think they're going to come out firing. I know this is going to be a feisty game. U of A got into that bench-clearing brawl with Missouri State. We haven't even talked about that. Shows you how crazy of a weekend it was in the ACHA when we're over 90 minutes into this thing and we're just mentioning a bench clearing brawl. So I'm riding with the Sun Devils on Thursday night in, in the Hockey House Game of the Week. We'll throw it over to our guest picker, Alex Herman. Who are you taking in this one? I watched the University of Arizona play Adrian last year, and that game was very tight until the end. I think I played with somebody in Connecticut who is playing for University of Arizona. I might need to fact check this, but Tyler Shetland uh, at one point was a trine NCAA player and now is with the University of Arizona. I can see David furiously typing away to see if I'm correct on that, but I think I am. Survey says, David, yes, no, maybe so. Survey says, yes. Number 27, Tyler Shetland. You know what? For that, I'm going to throw it over to the to an ex-chief from one ex-chief. Uh, I'll go U of A. And there you have it, folks. The Hockey House Game of the Week coming to you from Tucson, Arizona on Thursday and Saturday night. We'll throw that one in as a bonus one because that one's going to be must-watch hockey as well. That brings us to the question of the week. Not really a question this week, but in the spirit of Valentine's Day, we're recording on February 13th, tomorrow, Valentine's Day. By the time this comes out, the Valentine's candy will be discounted at CVS and Walgreens. So make sure you get your hands on some of that if you didn't get enough of it on Wednesday. So my question is, I, I love the um, the Valentine's, right? Like the cheesy, will you be mine? But like, let's make them ACHA, AAU, college hockey related. I'll go first. My first one, I would love to go NCAA someday with you. 
that's my Valentine. What do we think? Is that? I, I think you really mean to say I would go ACHA because we all know that that's the premier destination. <laughs> you really love someone, and maybe you want to spend the rest of your life with them. You know, I would I would go NCAA with you. That's mine. No, Alex, I'll throw it over to you because I, we don't want to make you go last again. But w- what do you got for us? I'm almost tempted to go last. I asked a question when you brought up this part of the segment to find out how far I could go with this. I have two. I'm going to go with the, the less risky one. And in, in typical ACHA fashion, it, it's it's penalty related. And I said, are you a gay misconduct? Because I'll hit the showers with you. I like that one. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> this uh, The other one, you guys be the judge if you want to leave this in or not. I can't believe I wrote this down. I said, are you an open winger? Because I can feed you some of my nasty sauce. <laughs> I don't know if that one makes it, but. Mom and dad listen to this. <laughs> Listen, you, you did give me a movie rating for me to go with, and that's what came to my head. David, bring some sanity back to this podcast. What do you got for us? <laughs> Are you Midnight Madness? Because I'd stay way up past my curfew for you. That's great. I I like that. That's that's keeping it PG for us, you know, and the folks in Lynchburg. I also had on on my sheet, you know, I love you so much. I'd let you call it club. That was the other one I had again. Thank you so much for everyone tuning in. What an episode here. You, you never know what you're going to get with the the Herman family cast. So glad you guys tuned in for this one. As always, continue to follow us on social media at Hockey House Pod on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We'll have all the highlights there for you. It should be another eventful weekend. A couple more conference championships. We didn't even give a shout out to College Hockey South. Tampa schools, you want to talk about hockey and being a hockey school. Tampa, they won the Women's College Hockey South Tournament and the Men's College Hockey South Tournament. So we got to make sure to give them a shout out before we wrap up the show here we've mentioned minot state twice on the podcast by the way and not mentioned the fact that maryville swept minot state the fact that this is in the very end of the episode still is insane to me wild that the number one team went down and we haven't talked about it at all and the, a highlight real goal to end it to maybe a double bat out of the air five hole with almost under a minute to go in the third period there and, and then they i think they get the win in bonus time i don't know if it was in an overtime or the shootout on saturday but huge weekend for the saints and again national tournament is in st louis so they're looking to carry that on as we get into march here so again thank you so much for tuning in alex herman heck of a job thanks for for joining us this week yeah thank you for having me it's been an honor it's been a pleasure really been the best thing that i could ask for and one of the best surprise text messages that i've gotten in a while so thank you david thank you murph i I really appreciate you guys having me on it means a lot did want to get to some stick taps from this weekend before we get into the the highlights 84 save shutout in ACHA women's one action. Senior netminder, Cadis Roman. She had 84 saves in a one nothing shootout victory over Miami of Ohio. On senior night, she made 11 in overtime, 73 in regulation, and then she stopped all three in the shootout. Officially, it goes in the record books as a 0-0 tie in the eyes of the ACHA. But it was Aquinas who got the win on senior night. Collins, we, we were talking about senior night at the start of the show, but I can't imagine a better way to go out as a goalie than an 84 save shutout. That's going out on top, 100%. Quite the battle, to say the least. Proving your worth as a vet and as a senior to the rest of your team. Whoever that next goalie is, that 
game is going to be fresh in everybody's memories or at the beginning of next season, and they're going to have some pretty big shoes to fill. I agree. I think we saw a comment on the Instagram post that her backup commented, and it was like, uh, it's been a pleasure being your backup tough shoes to fill, something like that. So love seeing that. Love seeing all these trophies getting handed out. We'll, we'll just kind of rattle off. We start down in Tucson. It was our game of the week, the Cactus Cup series finale game six was thursday night in tucson and the sun devils came away with a 5-3 victory they got to hoist the trophy on home ice they win the series four to two they win in game seven on saturday on senior day so a a 7-2 victory as they close out the season the sun devils kind of just a a tough year at the in the second half there they had some really good goaltending from chase ham early on and then he gets called up to the ncaa team so they lose their starting goaltender and and prove dividends down the stretch for them some more trophies being handed out We'll, we'll stick in the western league here uco coming away with a regular season trophy they get the sweep over oklahoma oklahoma had a really tough year last year you look at the end of season series with uco and the games are actually a lot closer than they were this time around uco clinches the regular season title with a seven to one victory on home ice it was their home game it's where uco has played for a really long time oklahoma in their second season there so maybe was expecting a a little bit of a tighter game here oklahoma is sitting at number 22 in the rankings a win would have clinched a spot in the national tournament so now they're playing the waiting game got to give a shout out to the boys at tennessee they won the division two college hockey south trophy they got some big wins down the stretch and a cinderella run by clemson at the end there the sixth seed going all the way to the final west virginia goes back to back in the acc tier two acha m2 conference title they beat the number one seed denison in the finals by a score of seven to three collins i don't know if you caught any of this one it was a, a really good acha m1 game but the top seed iup going toe-to-toe with number two john carroll did you guys get a chance to play either of these teams this year we did not play iup this year we have iup on the schedule for next year we played them last year they're a talented team physical as hell they got a, a good amount of skill guys last year we split with them they've had a bit of a rough season this year it was nowhere near the dominance that they had last year and they seem like they're a little bit on or off. You either get the IUP from years past or you get a stinker from them. But I did see some of the highlights from it. They look pretty solid. Yeah, it was kind of like you mentioned. We saw both both of those IUP teams in one game. They jump out to a 3 nothing lead. I think it was 4-1 to one at one point and maybe even 5-2. to two. John Carroll crawls all the way back to make it 5-5 five, five going into the third period. They scored two goals in the final two minutes of that second frame. And then it was a nail-biter. Nobody scored in the first 10 minutes of that third period. IUP scores off of a deflection in the third to get the ball rolling. They added one more and then got the empty netter for the 8-5 to five win. Logistically speaking, it makes more sense for that regular season champion to get the auto bid. But when you got the top two seeds in a conference tournament going toe-to-toe on a Sunday afternoon with a trip to St. Louis on the line. It makes for some pretty entertaining hockey. Yeah, it definitely does. Do we want to talk about the little kitties from Minnesota in the Instagram comments? Yeah, we were joking about it. Uh, There's nothing like firing up the Minnesota high school hockey crowd on an ACHA Instagram post. We had a a video of Jace Rierick. He's one of the top scorers. He was actually the MVP of the chma tournament college hockey mid-america he had five goals in the weekend he had two in that title game I believe he had the first goal of the game to break the ice in the first period comes in on a breakaway makes a nice move and scores and the iup social team got a great view of that and sent it over to us but he does a uh 
a big lap around the circle, the bottom circle after scoring, and he books it over to the IUP fan section, and uh, the glass is just really small there. So he jumps up on the glass, kind of like they do in Minnesota high school hockey, and the kids in the comments were just giving it to him for jumping into like a crowd of 20 parents, which, I mean, it was a great crowd. The place was packed. It was so funny. They had fans sitting all the way around the boards behind both nets and i don't know if the glass broke at one point this weekend or if it's been like that for a while at this rink that they were playing at in pennsylvania but big old piece of plywood behind the net i was like that's so acha that we're just playing a conference tournament game with a piece of plywood behind the net that reminds me of like hockey town usa just no glass just bricks on one side yeah if if you want to go back and check it out i I tweeted out the video of of john carroll tying it up in the third period and nobody noticed it when i posted it but if you go back and look just a big old piece of plywood behind the cage there but that wasn't the only entertaining conference tournament we had plenty more to get to purdue northwest kind of shocking the world here they were the two seed in the great lakes conference and they take down Adrian. Adrian in years past has actually had a tough time winning this conference championship. They've won the regular season title, I want to say like six times in the last eight years. They they get to the finals. They play the two seed Purdue Northwest. And for their second year of ACHA M1 hockey to defeat Adrian in a conference tournament game, let alone the championship game. I mean, that is a huge feat for that program. I want to give that coaching staff a huge shout out because it's a tough league, especially tough to get to the top that quickly. And they've made the jump and they've done it very successfully. Looking forward to seeing this team playing nationals. We want to make sure that we're giving them some love because they have done a great job at kickstarting that program. Yeah, I mean, it's a hell of a feat to go out there in your second year of M1 to go take down a juggernaut like Adrian, a, a perennial ACHA powerhouse. And I mean, they've just been kind of a team that sneaks under the radar for us, at least just because we're East Coast guys and get overshadowed by those big Midwest teams like Adrian and GVSU. So we'll definitely keep an eye on them at nationals. It should be interesting to watch them. Yeah, it'll be interesting, too, because I think we've seen it the last couple of years. We actually talked about it with Cam Shabbat in the interview. Those schools like Indiana Tech and last year it was Lawrence Tech and and you have a really good year, but it's your first time at nationals, right? These are a lot of very young hockey programs that haven't been around for a very long time. And I know a handful of them made it. And then you had the pandemic hit, so they never got to go to Frisco. So it'll be interesting to see how Purdue Northwest handles that first time going to St. Louis, first time going to nationals. And I think it helps with the way the bracket is set up now with more teams going to nationals maybe you get a weaker draw in that first game and you can really get your feet wet and you don't have to play maybe a team that's contending for that title in that opening round so we'll see how the pride fares in that one also got to give a shout out to the keen state owls in the school's final year before they go ncaa they will keep the acha m2 team around coach bobby rodriguez stepped away in the second half of this season because he's got to start recruiting for that ncaa division three team so the coach that stepped in is as been carrying the load and those guys to not only clinch they guaranteed a spot in nationals they got that auto bid and for a team that maybe doesn't really have a lot to play for to go and win that conference title when you know you know you're going to st louis anyways they defeat northeastern who also had an auto bid they beat northeastern in the semis and then they beat bentley two to one in the final at conway arena in nashua new hampshire and then you had jamestown the number one seed 
in the MCH conference. They take down you Mary on home ice. That is a big trophy. It'll be cool to see Minot State in this conference tournament next year, and that will really come down to the wire. Had an upset in this one, saw McKendry take down Illinois State, and then almost take down you Mary in the semis. Also want to give a shout out to High Points women's team in their first season ever. They win the ACC title, defeating Virginia Tech by a score of nine to two. You also had Oswego State. I know uh, head coach Travis Hyde's been at the helm of that program for a number of years now. They win the NECHL title. They defeat Canisius 5-2 to two on home ice. A theme of the weekend was the top seeds winning their conference tournaments. Oswego being number four, Canisius. And then, like we mentioned, those top seeds, Indiana Tech defeats Lawrence Tech 4-2 to two to clinch the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference title. There's a couple more scores worth checking out. Uh, we want to talk conference titles. Purdue going back-to-back. They win 3-1 to one over Miami in M3 action i believe this is the indiana collegiate hockey conference and then we also had uh, gotta give them a shout out central maine community college the mustangs the three seed beat wpi by a score of seven to one calvin defeating grand valley state six to nothing grand valley state the number one team in acha m3 can't even get out of the quarterfinals of their conference tournament just goes to show how tough the mchc is and that the national tournament rolls through michigan because as we get to the ACHA M3 pools, this caused quite the shakeup here. So got to give a shout out to Calvin, a 6 nothing win. They go to the final four of the MCH, the Vezina Cup on the line this weekend in Michigan. Want to make sure we get a couple other scores in here. Minot State getting the sweep over Simon Frazier. That was a big one. Simon Frazier has come very close to beating some very good NCAA teams this year. So for Minot to take it to them is a pat on the back for the ACHA. You had UNLV sweep Oregon. Utah swept Iowa State, Delaware swept Syracuse, and then Colorado and Colorado State with a big split there. Colorado at number 25 probably needed a sweep to keep their national hopes alive, but you have Colorado State playing spoiler in Boulder. And then we had a big split between uh, Houston and LSU. Got to give those boys a shout out. Both of those teams getting their first ACHA wins of the season. All right, let's get into some ACHA nationals. Now, this won't be a preview. We will do our nationals previews in the next coming weeks here as we prep for AAU College Hockey Nationals in Westchester, PA, and then the ACHA Nationals in St. Louis, Missouri. But what we're going to do here is Collins and I are just going to kind of go through, rattle off who's playing in what pool, kind of a word association, like what first comes to mind when we look at these teams in this pool. We won't get too much into detail, but giving a shout out to these teams who have clinched spots in nationals. So we start with Pool A in AAU Division One. 16 teams, all 16 AAU teams in Division One will make the trip to Westchester for the inaugural AAU College Hockey Division I National Championship. We start in Pool A. The top seed in this one and the top seed in the tournament is the University of Tampa Spartans. It has been a toss-up all year long with who that number one seed is going to be in AAU College Hockey. We saw Tampa in the mix. We saw St. Bonaventure in the mix. We saw Niagara in the mix. Now that it's all said and done, U-Tampa will be the top seed. They will take on number eight, University of Georgia, number 13, Cortland, and number 16, University of Delaware. We talked about this a little bit in the group text columns, but you got a team like Delaware who's like 4-20, and 20, and they're going to go to nationals, and they have a chance to play spoiler here because you got pool play, and it's interesting. You never know what's going to happen, but you got to think U-Tampa is the favorite here, and that 
UGA will give them a run for their money. This is going to be interesting for sure. Tampa is playing the Blue Ends on the final day of pool play. I was there two years ago and at the first CHF tournament. They were playing the 16 seed, Christopher Newport. They were the one seed and benched a lot of their star players because, oh, we need to rest them for the, the tournament. And one thing leads to another. They lose and don't make it out of the the pool play stage. So I don't know. Hopefully they don't make that mistake again this year. This is going to be interesting to say the least. If it happens for the third year in a row where the number one seed doesn't make it to the bracket stage, I think we can officially claim that the number one seed is cursed. This is a a solid pool. I I think it's going to be all Tampa though. Actually, I don't know. You've got the Bulldogs in here, too, who played spoiler last year for St. Bonaventure. This will be interesting. Tampa took it to Georgia in the College Hockey South finals two weeks ago. Their men's Division One team won the College Hockey South tournament, and their women's Division One team also won the tournament. We did talk about it with the Herman brothers on the Herman cast earlier in the show. But going over to Pool B, we have the number two seed, Niagara. They were in the mix at the top all year long. In this pool, they'll have number seven, South Carolina, number 11, Fairfield, and number 15, Fordham. Collins, right away, you were calling this one the pool of death. I, I don't think Jordan DeLuciano will, will agree with me on this, but this just seems like pretty stacked pool. Obviously, the number two seed in Niagara, the Cox, who, you know, you can never not bet on. They're an extremely talented team. You have the national championship runner-up in Fairfield, sneaky Fordham. I mean, we saw them last year. I think we looked at that group last year, which was South Carolina, Liberty, Fordham, Bama. Totally thought Fordham was going to be, you know, just not in in the mix at all. And then in day one, they tie Liberty. The next day, they put up some great showings. Unfortunately, had some people get sick. This pool is going to be is going to be great. Watch out for uh, Daniel Gertz from Fordham. Just outstanding goalie, and I think he can. Uh, make or break some team's uh, hopes for uh, a national championship. I wonder here if this is the committee giving us a little entertainment value. South Carolina got screwed last year with Fordham not playing Bama in that third game, and they end up going undefeated, and they don't have a chance to play for the national title. They go, they don't lose the game of pool play, and they get sent home. I wouldn't be surprised if that South Carolina team puts a touchdown up on Fordham in that game. You know, some of vengeance there because that was a really good South Carolina team last year that didn't make it out of pool play because of the unique circumstances. So I, I would keep an eye out for that one. That's something that raises an eyebrow right away for me. But we'll move on to Pool C. St. Bonaventure, number three. Buffalo, number six. Quinnipiac, 10. Auburn, 14. St. Bonaventure has been in the mix at the top all year long. Buffalo has had a good year. Quinnipiac, maybe not the the, the strongest year compared to the last couple of years. Auburn was a team that didn't really have a lot of guys at nationals and they made an impact and they surprised a lot of people early so keep an eye on them when they make the trip up to Westchester and then closing things out with pool d the national champions last year binghamton they are the number four seed you got farmingdale at five cornell at nine and alabama at 12 i don't think alabama has had the year that they wish that they had had in in the inaugural season of division one binghamton is probably going to be the team to beat in this pool they're very tough team to play against but i wouldn't be surprised if farmingdale surprises them and gets one out of there cornell also a a pretty solid team so that kind of wraps up aau division one the the four pools 16 teams going to westchester in aau division three though they also announced the pools on monday night the top seed in this tournament is the University of Miami Hurricanes. They are in a pool with number four, Stony Brook, number six, University of Rochester, 
And number eight, College of William and Mary. Miami's been at the top of Division Three for a while now. Stony Brook also in the mix now. They're dropping down to four. That should be an entertaining pool. This was a good tournament last year. You want to talk about a team that had a good run in it. It's going to be the number two seed, Florida Southern Mocs. They are in Pool B. They are also in the same pool as Kennesaw State, who's number three. Quincy College, the Granite at number five. And then Alvernia University, number seven, rounds out the eight teams in in the field for AAU Division Three. Anything that kind of sticks out to you in this one? Maybe this is just my lack of paying too much attention to AAU Division Three. I mean, I saw the Hurricanes, the Mocs, and uh, the Sea Wolves coming from you know miles away. Quincy College was one that I did not expect. Definitely cool to get some Northeast teams in there. It feels like with AAU, you always it's all college hockey south. Delaware Valley and those New York teams. So glad to see some Northeast teams in there. Yeah. And, and this is something I was going to mention too when we get to ACHA M3, but I just get pumped up when you like see teams that you haven't seen, right? Because you know it means a little bit more to those programs. I know those guys at Quincy have been grinding for the past two years. For them to get a national tournament berth, we'll get to a couple teams in AAU D2 who are pretty excited to go, but Kennesaw State is another one. I know Alvernia is pumped up to go there. William and Mary, Rochester, like this is going to be so exciting for these teams. And even Stony Brook. Miami too you know those are teams that had down years last year and have really turned it around and have surprised a lot of people I want to mention though too speaking of Alvernia we mentioned last year that it was great for the UMass boys to be in their hometown did anybody make a prediction last year that UMass was going to win uh, D2 there was a lot of Massachusetts kids on UNH Oh, yeah, and I, right. I was like, don't be surprised if these UNH boys tear it up here, because I think ah, it might be a crazy statement to say, but like UNH might have had just as many Massachusetts kids on the roster as UMass. I had a feeling there, but we did talk about that factor. We, we had the team wrong. We did talk. We did mention that one team would have home ice advantage at the New England Sports Center. We didn't even factor in it being UMass. I mean, that probably helps at nationals. Are, are these guys going to be sleeping in their own beds, you think? They're going to be 30 minutes at most from Westchester. So that helps the budget. You know, maybe get some good team meals between games and those boys will be ready to go. Unfortunate that they uh, I don't know if they're going to be on their spring break. But if you know, if that was your spring break and you got to spend it in Westchester and, you know, not go anywhere. That's how I'm spending my spring break. I'm not going anywhere. They could be a, a sneaky team to watch. All right, and now we will get over to AAU Division Two Pool A, starting things off. Again, this is AAU D2 is going to have wild cards, and we've highlighted that again. We'll, we'll get more in-depth into how those wild cards will work on the next two episodes when we do our Nationals Tournament previews. Again, we're just going over the pools here, but FAU is the number one seed in the entire tournament. They're the number one seed in Pool A. They will be competing against number 10, Penn State Harrisburg, number 15, Embry-Riddle, and number 20, Ramapo College. So some interesting names here. FAU has been the clear front runner in this conference, in this league, in this division all season long. And they stumbled in the College Hockey South playoffs, losing to Clemson. So they're going to try to get on the right path early on in this tournament here. They're going to be going up against College Hockey South foe Embry-Riddle, who I don't think had the best years for their circumstances and maybe their expectations, a team that we saw at the start of the year. But they're, I mean, 15 seed at Nationals, they're going to have a shot to make some noise here. They made some noise last year. Penn State, Harrisburg, another good year. Ramapo, I think, was a little disappointed in the way that their season has turned out, but they'll have an opportunity to make some noise early on here in Westchester. 
Going over to Pool B, University of Florida Gators, number two. This is a team that didn't go to nationals the last two years because of financial purposes and the travel coming up from Gainesville. And I remember people saying, like, if you think this tournament is crazy now, like wait until Florida gets up to this thing because they are a tough team to play against. They cause teams a lot of problems. We saw they gave Georgia a run for their money in the Savannah Hockey Classic. I would keep my eye on. They split with... FAU the last time they played so it seems like the teams in college hockey south are the favorites early on in this one but staying on the coast Mass Maritime will be the number nine seed with Anna Maria College at 14 Newman at 19 another team that doesn't have to drive far to get to this one moving on to pool C High Point Panthers number three coming out of the ACCHL a phenomenal turnaround for High Point last year they were number 32 going into this tournament they come in at number three some drastic changes in that program. I talked about College Hockey South could be the favorite. High Point's going to be knocking on the door, and they're going to have to go up against number eight, UCF, number 13, Alabama Huntsville, and number 18, Farmingdale. That Farmingdale team that we talked about earlier in this episode, number 18 in this tournament. And then moving on to Pool D, you got number four, Tennessee, number seven, Tampa, number 12, SUNY Brockport. And number 17, Union. This Union team has kind of popped out of nowhere, right? Built a pretty solid program there. So good to see them making the trip to Westchester for Nationals. Pool E, number five, Bishops. First time in program history that the Bishops University Gators will be there. I know those boys are fired up. We got number six, Liberty, who has just quietly done what they've needed to do all year long. Number 11, Clemson. Kind of shocked the world in the College Hockey South playoffs. And then another College Hockey South team, number 16, Vanderbilt. This one cons might be the pool of death if you're trying to narrow one down for division two you got the five and six seed and the 11 and 16 and vanderbilt and clemson went toe-to-toe a couple times this semester as well so i'm excited for that one that's kind of the first time i've really gotten to take a good look at these pools i know aau did a phenomenal job as always in releasing these on a live show and i think people are pretty fired up but anything from the d2 tournament that kind of stands out to you i know i kind of just went rapid fire on that one yeah there's a couple great to see alabama huntsville I feel like that was a name in at least NCAA hockey. You got used to seeing, glad to see they are back. Mass Maritime, as always, love the jerseys. Hopefully we, we get some funny stories out of them this year, like last year with the team mom sewing on with the Maroon High School captain's patch. But from a play standpoint, I think Ramapo, I mean, they're a 20 seed. I think they're definitely going to be a team to maybe, maybe watch go on a Cinderella potentially. In years past, they have just been you know, a team that really, really does show up at nationals and they have some very skilled players. I got to catch their game against NJIT when I was playing uh, William Patterson at the Ice Vault up in Wayne, New Jersey. So yeah, that'll be a team to watch 100%. Also, Bishops, really good to see them. Doesn't get harder than a, a bunch of tough Quebec boys. That'll be really cool to see. Great Division Two pools, and I think this is going to actually really be the tournament to watch at AAU. There's going to be a lot of good games that come out of this, maybe even more so than Division One. So and we'll, we'll get to it, like what our travel plans are for these tournaments, but uh, you got to think there's going to be a lot of people running around that rink on that wild card day trying to, to figure out who's playing at what time. It, it's going to be an exciting day of hockey, certainly when that happens, and I, I believe. So there's five pools the winner of each pool moves on and then there's three wild card spots so the teams with maybe a team that had two wins and an overtime loss they might get that bump up to go on to the quarterfinals but 
should be an entertaining tournament. Let's move on to ACHA M3. This pool came out last night. We are recording Wednesday morning. We expect later today that we will be getting the, the other ACHA tournaments, but we will bring those to you next week. Let's start ACHA M3. Pool A, the number one seed is Lawrence Tech. Our guys, the Lawrence Tech Blue Devils, big fans of the Hockey House pod, were giving us a ton of love last year at Nationals. They sneak into the number one spot after Grand Valley State gets upset in the second round of the MCHC tournament this past weekend. So you got Lawrence Tech as the one seed. The number eight seed is Arkansas, number nine, Colby College, and number 16, St. Vincent College. So some new faces here, Colby College in Maine, number nine seed. And then sneaking into the tournament, number 16, St. Vincent College, the Bearcats. Yeah, I'm on the team website now. They actually go by the St. Vincent Polar Bearcats. Uh, I've never seen a Bearcat before. I've certainly never seen a Polar Bearcat. And uh, hopefully we encounter some when we make the trip down to St. Louis. But like I mentioned, always good to see new teams in the mix, right? Love seeing that. We'll go to Pool B, a team that we have seen a lot of the last couple of years. The number two seed, Hope College, just sneaking in there like i feel like we haven't talked about them at all this season and here they are when it's all said and done they're the two seed in the tournament they will take on number seven dartmouth college who a team that's been at nationals the past couple years calvin university number 10 a team that has made some noise in the mchc late in the season i think they're riding a six game win streak and number 15 sacred heart so sacred heart the hockey factory ever since they got that new rank they got a club team in every league it feels like at this point and so their ACHA M3 team will make the trip to St. Louis. And then Pool C, you got the, the team that's been the favorite all year long. Number three, Grand Valley State. Number six, Florida Gulf Coast. Number 11, Purdue. And number 14, Missouri State. So four teams that we all we saw last year at the tournament. I would expect this one to come down to the wire. Some teams that know what to expect there. And then Pool D, Mizzou at number four. Number five, Air Force 12 central maine community college and number 13 michigan state university so mizzou has made tons of strides this season i think they learned a lot at nationals last year they got the tournament in their backyard this year so i know those guys are fired up air force is a tough team so they're gonna have their hands full in that pool as well one thing to mention it is shocking to not see michigan in here interesting to not see the reigning national championships back that's a huge catch right there i and you know honestly rattling off those teams that was something that i didn't even notice there so i'm gonna go to the m3 rankings here let's just see see where michigan was in the most recent poll yeah university of michigan they're on the outside looking in number 20 i mean that's got to be the first time since we've been doing this that the national champion won't have a chance to repeat right you know babson made it back to the tournament they're not in the tournament this year at aau but liberty women's team is always in the tournament they're always in the mix you got minot state who's always in the mix and in m3 the you know hope college has gone back to the t finals as well and michigan just won't have a chance to to defend their title and that's got to be maybe a team with a lot of seniors last year i'm sure and, and got the job done there so credit to that program they've done some phenomenal things over the last couple of years two appearances in the national title game but you got to think with university of michigan out of it there's still plenty of other michigan teams to, to carry the load there so they're going to be in the mix there another team that was on the outside looking in is number 15 oakland university and number 16, Saginaw Valley State. 
some of these con- like Sacred Heart wins their conference, they go to the tournament. St. Vincent College wins their conference, they go to the tournament. And those teams from Michigan that are just they play in a tough conference. So not every team from the MCHC is going to get to go to the nationals there, but Saginaw Valley and Oakland find themselves on the outside looking in. Definitely going to be interesting. I'm going to be keeping an eye on Rombo and the boys at Florida Gulf Coast. They're always a, a sneaky team to to keep an eye on and really ruffle the feathers of some of those Michigan teams. Yeah, too. And, and you got to give a shout out to Florida Gulf Coast. Their M2 team also punching their ticket to nationals as well. So you got to think they're getting the hockey school tag. We, we, we mentioned them in the regional preview show. Of course, Alex Herman doing a phenomenal job with that. But it's been a long episode. Don't want to ramble on too much. So we do have some games to watch this week. We have a game to watch in a game of the week. If you want to find some more games to check out, be sure to head to our Instagram page. We got some fun ones, some conference tournaments here. I know we mentioned the ECHA is doing their conference tournament. You got the ESCHL doing their conference tournament down in Scranton. I know there's a couple of AAU leagues doing their conference tournaments as well. So yeah, eyebrow raise from you, Collins, but the Eshel going back to Scranton for the second year in a row to do their conference tournament. The Electric City. And uh, yeah, so there's going to be some exciting matchups there, but we'll go to our honorable mention. Our game to watch this week is going to be matchup between AAU D1 and AAU D2. Clemson coming off of their trip to the College Hockey South Championship game. They will face off against their rival, University of South Carolina. They're going to the big stage. It is Bonsecours Arena, home of the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. So I know they've been advertising a bunch on social media about this one. This will take place on Saturday. But the one that we have our eyes on this week, our game of the week, is Bedlam, baby. It is the University of Oklahoma taking on Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State when we started, you want to talk about starting this podcast, Oklahoma State didn't have a hockey team when we started doing this podcast a couple of years ago. Oklahoma had a down year last year. They end up losing an overtime to Oklahoma State at the box center and the home of the Tulsa Oilers in the ECHL. Oklahoma's had a really good year. Oklahoma State has had a very good year as well. And so they will take to the ice on Saturday. Collins, what are we thinking here? I'll give I'll give my pick first here. I think this is Oklahoma's year. They won the Friday night game last year, and then they lost the big one down in Tulsa. I know it's it's going to be a mostly orange crowd in Tulsa, a lot of Oklahoma State fans there. But I think Oklahoma's had a really good year. We won't know at the time of recording whether or not they are in the national tournament or not. They could be using it as a tune-up game for nationals, or it could be the last hurrah for a really good group of seniors for them. So I'm going to ride with the Sooners on this one. Who are you taking? Yeah, I think I'm also going to roll with the Sooners. Obviously, losing at the box center to Oklahoma State last year in a game that I think everybody was saying was going to be all Oklahoma's really left a bitter feeling in their mouth. And also, coming off of the weekend against UCO, I think they're going to come out firing because obviously after losing 7-1 you want to prove the world so boomer sooner I would piggyback off of that comment about losing to UCO right you've had a really good season and you want to end it on a high note and regardless of whether they get to go to St. Louis or not we'll wrap up the show with our question of the week very excited about this one we had a blast Um, Tim and I went and checked out ourselves when we were in Columbus before heading over to Athens to watch Ohio and Syracuse play earlier in the year, but the NHL announced that the stadium series will be coming to Columbus next year. The Columbus Blue Jackets will host the Detroit Red Wings at the Shoe in Columbus, a phenomenal venue for this event. We talked about the one year anniversary of the stadium series at Carter Finley. 
where UNC and NC State took the place over and got 26,000 fans on their feet. I don't think they're going to get 26,000 fans in Columbus. And if they do, I'll eat my words. A team I would love to see get on the ice when they do this is the Ohio Bobcats. I'm assuming if they can get their ACHA M1 team on the ice and maybe a, a matchup with their M2 team as well. But I'm curious here, Collins, if we're picking a team for Ohio to play, who do you think that would the best team to maybe get a lot, a large crowd there? Well, here goes my uh, Ohio knowledge. I'm trying to think. Maybe Kent State. Oh, that's a good one. So I was thinking Toledo, too. If you could get Ohio versus Toledo or Ohio versus Kent State, the real rivalry, the Battle of Bricks, Ohio versus Miami, Ohio. If you really wanted to get people on their feet, maybe try to get a game between Miami, Ohio's NCAA team and Ohio University. I don't know if we would want that. Miami is a pretty good team. That would be a, a fun one. And if you again, if you were trying to get the biggest crowd you could there, I'm assuming Ohio State and Michigan are going to play there. I mean, they can't have them not play there, right? If they're laying down a sheet of ice at OSU. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to. It's Blue Jackets, Red Wings, right? Hey, this is just an excuse for Ohio State and Michigan to be playing outdoors, funded by the NHL. I We'll imagine we'll get to see that game, and that will be really cool, especially on a year where the football rivalry aligns with the same stadium. I, I Honestly, and I feel like people kind of just love to rag on the outdoor games, and I have never been to one. It's on my bucket list of things to do. So maybe maybe we get in contact with Matt from 614 Hockey and we get the boys down to Columbus for this one because I, I would love to go. I had a blast when we went to the Blue Jackets game. But, I mean, the outdoor games in New York this weekend seemed like they were a hit. Uh, the Flyers and Devils going at it, and then the Islanders and Rangers going at it, and that looked like the place to be this weekend, and I think everybody got a kick out of it. So looking forward to this, and, and Columbus has been dying for an outdoor game, so it should be an exciting one here. And It's not hard to predict where the NHL goes and does these things because there's not many stadiums left that haven't hosted them. I remember being a kid and going to Nationals Park and being like, we sat on the first base side and I'm like if they did a winter classic here like these would be the best seats in the house and then sure enough the next winter classic was in DC and so when Tim and I went and checked out the shoe like right away I was like did they got to get a game in here like this would be such a cool place for an NHL game and then sure enough yeah here they are so maybe I got to just uh the NHL might need to hire me and scoping out these outdoor venues. Be more than happy to tag along for some of these trips with Gary Bettman. That wraps up the show here. Like we mentioned, a lot of conference tournaments. Thank you for hanging in there. Uh, I think this was an entertaining episode. If you've made it this far, you must have agreed with us as well. So thank you for uh, handling the technical difficulties with us. We apologize for, for not being able to put an episode out last week, but glad you could be with us here on this week as we gear up for these national tournaments. I mean, it's like I'm going to go book my flight as soon as I'm done with this one and and uh, we're very excited for what's ahead in the ACHA and AAU College Hockey. So as always, be sure to follow us on social media at Hockey House Pod on all channels. And we will see you next week. See you, boys. Yeah.